on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick will hopefully be talking to a special guest, one who has directly worked on recent Star Wars films and TV shows using real-ass paint skills. They'll also break down episode 6 of The Bad Batch, you know, the one with the sisters, and they'll also try to correctly guess who the mystery character was at the end. There's some Book of Boba and Mando news the boys will cover also, although it's nothing to get too excited about, but apparently the Star Wars internet thinks so, so the SWS team will commit. Matt will round things out with a breakdown and recap of the War of the Bounty Hunters comic book series, which is now in full swing and crossing over into every main Star Wars run. And it's also making Boba Fett the legend you all once told Matt about. Finally, the show will wrap with this week's fan segment, which will include fan responses to the question of the week and our top five Star Wars fan artist features gallery. Punch it, Chewie! Everybody, welcome back to a new episode of the Star Wars Time Show. And if you're watching on the live stream, you surely are going WTF. This isn't the Star Wars Time Show. Well, you're not wrong. It's still the Star Wars Time Show. But we got a special guest today in the form of Vincent Jenkins Jr., who is a real deal real ass painter as we call him on this show because you know we're not highfalutin we don't know all the technical terms but in all seriousness vincent is a uh, like i said a real deal concept artist who has worked on some disney star wars projects uh, and i believe some other stuff for that that whole disney uh, universe but uh, obviously we're going to talk about some of vincent's uh, star wars work what that's like how he got there, how he picked up the magic in his hands to be able to create art, uh, just using his digits in his brain, which uh, on this show, Vincent, I, I know you've probably never tuned in and we, we won't blame you for that because, you know, we're, we're not we're not anything special. But uh, every show we, we feature a top five uh, featured fan artist segment. Uh, and we usually pull the artists from our Instagram feed and, and, and the, the art ranges from toy photography to traditional art, you know, like like your area, tattoos, cosplay or whatever. So our following is into art and there's a lot of artists in the Star Wars Time Show fan base. Uh, so it is awesome to to talk to a an artist that is is making a living, I would assume a pretty good living uh, based on your ability to put a concept to a piece of paper and have someone then expand upon that into a, a, a film set, a character's costumes or whatever. Uh, so it's awesome to have you here talking some real deal Star well, Wars work. Thanks for having me, man. It's very uh, exciting. Yeah, so be, before we really get into what, what you've done on Star Wars, uh, we, we typically like to build a as much as we can, kind of a, 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 a guest Star Wars bio, if you will, in terms of your connection to the franchise, uh, maybe before you started working in it, 
uh, maybe some of your thoughts on the franchise over the years, and then we'll kind of get into what you're doing with Star Wars. So I guess first and foremost, a very important question. Are you a fan of the Star Wars or uh, were you a fan before you started working in uh, the oh, arena? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's a story you've probably heard a lot in the past. It's, it's, I just, you know, obviously, like everyone grew up watching Star Wars. I was a big, more of a film fan. I was more, I was kind of, from the angle of I loved filmmaking and the magic of filmmaking, of the magic trick of it. And I think Star Wars, when I was watching it, I was, I was, I was amazed at the impact that had. When everything can be right, like design, the story, editing, uh, design of the creatures, the lighting, just, just everything. And that's when I fell in love with it. So I grew up with it. I used to, I was always drawing from a young age. I used to, you know, in my old days, we used to pause the VCR and then try and draw. <laughs> Because we had obviously no internet. Yeah, so, so I'm guessing so you, uh, you grew up with the original trilogy then if you're busting out the old VCR remote and pausing it to, to take a yeah. sketch or whatnot. That's right, okay. yeah. I was pausing it and drawing what I could. Uh, and yeah, a lot of artists my age were doing that. And then, uh, yeah, you start to learn that that's a, um, there's, an, there's, a, there's people that, it's a job. And I learned that from a very early age. I think I was watching... Um, the one where I worked it out was uh, the first Batman, the Tim Burton Batman. Okay, yeah. And I had an art of book. So I don't think I even had some Star. I don't think I had art of our Star Wars. I don't think they were. No, they didn't. He didn't. I mean, I know over the day, over the years. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's that massive Ralph McQuarrie collection. Yeah, I've got that. Okay, that's, yeah, that's I, I, that yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, it weighs like a hundred pounds, right? I mean, it is. Yeah. It is a legit collection of that man's concept art. But I, I think you're right. When the movies first came out, and we're talking about the original trilogy, and I don't even think the prequels. Uh, we're getting the art of books that some of the sequel films have gotten. I know Solo got one. I think Rogue One got one. But yeah, back then you, you yeah back you, then you you were yeah it was scarce. You know I mean well I didn't have one and I I was I, I the Batman film was the first it was like that was kind of a marketing thing. You had not you had a uh, like a movie made uh, movie uh, the making of and it had a lot of concept art in there and storyboards and that's when I went oh my god it's a, it's a thing it's it's I can do this. And, and, and I, I learned that from very young age. So I wanted to work on Star Wars. Uh, I knew I'd never get there. So yeah, but I want to work on films. I want to work on films. So that's where I've come from. I've come from a kid that is drawing all the time, painting all the time, wanting to learn every day how to get better and better. And so better so and where better. do you think that came from, Vincent? I mean, were, are your parents artists or was it just something you found as a, a, as a kid? You just naturally were drawn to pen and paper, yeah. uh, paint and paper. Um, my dad could do it, but he never, he never pushed it. Or I always sort of remember drawing first and then my dad doing something. Oh, I can draw. And he, he did, like, I remember he did a, uh, a portrait. Of, I think it was Bill Murray. And then I was like, yeah, my dad can do it. And then, you know, that inspired me to just keep going on. But no, I just, I just could see, I just... I sort of had a very um, understanding of how, um, you know, how visuals work and lighting. So was it was it came natural to you because 
Because Nick and I, I mean, when, 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 like I said, when we're doing that top five and, and we're looking at, as we call it, like a bunch of dummies, real ass paint, it, it really is mind boggling to, to someone like myself that can hardly draw a, sh- a straight line, can't do a, an actual circle. My handwriting still looks like I'm five years old. <laughs> so I, I just, I, I really do. I, and we're like, you, you people are wizards, you're magicians, you've sold your soul to the devil. It just, it, it's, it's mind boggling to people like us, I think that someone yeah, yeah. that someone like you can just grab a, a tool and yeah. basically recreate what's in your head using your, your, your hands, your fingers and, and, and paper or yeah. canvas. Um, yeah. It's like when I talk to artists about it too, we, we don't understand why it's, we, we don't understand the amazement. Of, I mean, <laughs> we, we, I think, I think cause we know that it's just, I mean, I'm not saying when I started and I was five, I was brilliant. I mean, people were going, wow, I can't believe you can do that. Okay. At age. But it wasn't, you know, I didn't, I'm still think I'm not very good. I'm still, and that's a lot of artists like that. They're just going, oh, I've got a lot to learn, lots to learn. You know, that's, uh, but I think it's just a lot of practice and working out why, how things, you know, how to make a picture. I mean, if you, it's like anything, if you, the more you, I don't know, I think, I think, I think you can get taught this stuff. If you want to do it, anyone, even if you can't draw, you know, I, if I had to, I could make you draw and I could make you Oh boy, that that scares that scares the shit out of me because I, like I I was never good in art class. I was always the one making stuff. that's like, hey, is this is this kid all right? Like, is his is his brain wired correctly? Like, we just asked him to sculpt a ball and he can't even do that. He gave us a cube. Uh, but you know, maybe it is like that that ten thousand hour thing. You can master it if you put the time in. But but I do think, and I, and and you've said as much. It, it is somewhat of a natural inclination sometimes for, for people like you when you're young. And then if you have a passion for it, obviously you are going to put in those 10,000 hours to uh, try and perfect it. But I, I'm just... Yeah, it was a, it's, it's also a thing as well. It's like you can't... Um, I knew I couldn't... I, I wasn't interested in anything. Like through primary school, high school, I couldn't think of anything but wanting to draw. Um, and I wasn't really good at anything. I wasn't good at remembering, rem- remembering anything, you know, like, like I was terrible at maths. I wanted to be really good at maths. My dad is really, is really good at maths. I just couldn't do it. And so I always had to fall back on, well, I'm good at drawing. Everyone seems to be amazing when I draw stuff. I'll just, I don't want to work in a, in a, in a, in a I can't work in a bank or I can't, you know, I can't, I couldn't do that. I have to be able to, to be able to draw every day. So that just spared me on just to get, Bit, I guess. You know, that's honestly, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of, of people like you that kind of knew who they were and what they wanted to do at that young of an age. Cause I, I'm someone that, you know, I just, I'm about to turn 41 and, and I still don't know if I'm doing exactly what I want to do in life. Uh, I've had a good life. I've, I've done well, you know, I'm, I'm outside of this little uh, jobby. I'm, I'm a, I'm a college professor, but I, I was, uh, unlike you, I was never sitting there going, all right, if this doesn't work out, I know my, my art talent, what I really want to do. That's something I could pursue. Uh, I am jealous of those of you that figure out your, your life path, uh, that early on, but I, I think it allows you and probably helped you get to where you are as a, a concept artist on some major ass motion mm. pictures mm. yeah it really did it was good um 
did you did you go to art school then or is it are yeah, you what so, you would call self-taught um self self-taught um yeah always doing cartoons doing portraits real life stuff then i met and uh through i was always getting told off the drawing on my books my textbooks getting in trouble because i just finished <laughs> the drawing my and then when my mates could see that i could draw akira or whatever and then they want akira on his bike on their books and then someone else and i was just drawing drawing and getting told off and then when <laughs> then when um we have work experience so i'm slightly in the states but um we have work experience and you go off and you get to the age where you do a work experience thing and you're working at the co-op or and my mum was like, oh, no, I don't want you working in the shop. You, you need to go and see a, go work for an artist, a proper painter. So that was when I started to learn airbrushing. So I got into airbrushing for one of the top airbrush artists in the country. And he was doing cars and uh, we, we did portrait. We did, he was, his, his wife was married to uh, Ronnie Wood at the time from Rolling Stone. So we were doing Oh, like, geez. Look yeah, at that. We like, <laughs> that, that yeah. Small world, huh? Yeah, yes. Um, so we were um, doing that, and I was so well, he taught me how to actually paint and airbrush and all some tricks. And, and I, that's when I went bush. Now I was doing paintings of like Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these film people. And then that's when I came out of school, went to college, showed them. They went, wow, okay, <laughs> yes, come, come here. So college was good. Um, did did you get any? Did they? I don't know. Do you guys have like full ride scholarships over there? I mean, did did were you good enough that they're like, hey, we'll pay you to come here? Or did did you still it, have to? It was like a, I think you just had to have certain grades from school, but because I wasn't I didn't have them grades because like I said I wasn't very good <laughs> at school. That the 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 portrait I brought in of Arnie from Terminator that worked like the per- perfect photo of him. Yeah, even now it's on my dad's guy. It's really good. I was like, you know, I was just going to college. Uh, they were like, yeah, well, based on that, you, yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic. So you, I, I you, wouldn't have got in if I didn't took Arnie. You hear that, yeah. people? If, if you can paint really great pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who cares about your, your high school GPA or any of that stuff? That's great. Yeah, but I mean, good. hey, in the end, if you're going to a school like that, I mean, if you didn't do well in math or science, but you can show them a masterpiece you know at that age you're probably what in your teens uh yeah who cares right i mean you know who cares in the end because look it it all worked out i mean this again i'm an educator myself uh but a lot of times especially what i teach is computer science if students can showcase the skill set just like an artist I don't really care what they're doing in in biological science or English or, or stuff like that. And, and the world is honestly, it, it's finally changing that way, at least here in corporate America. They're not so concerned about, oh, you got to have your four year degree before we even talk to you. Now it's more skills based. Show me what you can do. I don't care if you went to Ohio State or, or Oxford. We want you. That's right, yeah, and, and that's when you really you meet the people. Like when I was at college, I, I, my, I had a great uh, tutor, Barry Willis. Um, he was he saw what I the, the potential I had because I came from a school that was still like I don't care if you paint like this. They just, they just even in art class they were just like so what? I, I was just kind of you're never going to make a living out of it. Oh, stupid, stupid, stop doing it. Even in my art class, it was like that. They were pushing like 
modern, need to splash paint on a canvas and yeah, that's it. They were pushing like modern art and I was showing them, like I could actually paint some houses and I like, do a landscape. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But when I went to college, uh, yeah, my tutors uh, uh, really, really taught me like concept, like look at concept, like you could do storyboard art, you could do this. And, and that's when I was like, okay, someone believes in me, I can probably do this. And then I, and then um, what happened there was I thought I wanted to be a matte artist. Do you know when it was on glass? Oh, yeah. I yeah, you're you basically that. doing the, yeah, the, that, the that, backgrounds, that right? Hearts, yeah, that, I had my heart set on that, you see, because again, this is computers were still new then, so you know, it was all. And then that started, so I was at college, and that was starting to die out, and I was like, oh no. So then I thought, next one is model making. I'd like to do the props. So I, I learned to do prop making. And through college, props. Uh, now, did you find dance. that to be a completely different skill set and art form versus your, no, the art? No, because it was still, no, I, I still had the brain where, you know, I was coming from as a kid, I loved filmmaking. So I, it was like I understood that when I watched, you know, you know, my dad used to show me all the films, right? Aliens and Terminator. When I watched Aliens, I understood, and my dad would say, "Look, see what he's holding there. That's probably just a hairdryer with a thin thing." And they painted it. So you you, you weren't I'm, sitting there scared shitless. You're actually breaking no. down the 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 films yeah. and the scene and the production design. Yeah. From a very early age, hey, it's, like, it's, wow! No wonder my you ended gets, up doing what you do. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's probably my dad. He's just like, "Don't have, don't." I want to. I want to show you aliens. Don't tell you nothing. But, you know, it's such such a cool film. But look, don't be scared because that see that spaceship. That's like that bit. And I'm like, no. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. How did they do that, Dad? Oh, they sprayed it and they just put. Oh, look, I'll show you. So it came from that amazement of like, oh, I want to do that. Like the magic trick. I want to be a magician and help them do that. So, so college was like, yeah, model making. I'll, 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 I'll maybe I'll get in the films that way because I can't paint. You know, because concept artists, I didn't really. You know, not really. I knew they designed stuff, but I just maybe I just thought I'd never be. That be that's like an art director thing. I'll never be able to do that. Interesting. In a workshop making props for the new Aliens film, maybe I could do that. So yeah, so I, I um, after college, it ends up you, you know trying to get into film studios. Um, so then you just. Um, I was ringing up and ringing up. Again, it's just like I tell students, you've got to just keep ringing up, ringing up. You know, you get turned out, oh, there's no films on yet. Oh, who are you? All that sort of stuff. There's, there's sort of schools now you can go to to get into film studios. But when I was doing it, it was like turn up. So you're just, you just would you just get a list and you just start cold calling yeah. studios yeah. or production designers? and Yeah, uh, not knowing who they were. Hi, I'm a student. I just got like, is there any... Is there, can I be a runner or something? Can I see someone? No, no, there's nothing. Going. And I was ringing up when there was no films, because sometimes it, it used to, anyway, it probably will soon, but it sometimes just goes dead for like a year or two years. You know, it just goes dead sometimes. There's no games uh, back when I was starting. Uh, so I was just cold calling at the wrong time, and I, you know, and it just got, you know, you know I just kept doing it. There. And then one day, uh, with, I think my girlfriend went up, because I was working in a rubbish job, she got me an interview with this guy just to talk to me. Oh, I'll talk to him. Went to Pinewood. Yeah, great. So I went to Pinewood with my, like, I had a rocket pack, like, I built. <laughs> and I walk into this place, and I'm hearing the alien soundtrack. No kidding. But the alien soundtrack, and they're building props, and I see an alien. I'm like, are they working on an alien film? And I go to the, this, uh, this guy's called Bill Pierce, and he was, like, uh, 
um, he was a legendary um, model maker for miniatures. So he built the Nostromo, he, he supervised the build on the Nostromo from the original Alien. So I'm there with him, realizing, realizing who he is. And then, and he's going, well, yeah, this is great. This model you've done, this is how we kind of do it out bits and pieces. And that's a great paintwork you've got on there. Well, we're working on Alien versus Predator. I can, you can uh, come on as a runner if you no want. No kidding. And then I was just like, yeah! <laughs> Yay! Oh, got in, got in. Like that. So that, I was ecstatic because it was Alien vs. Predator as well. It's like, I didn't even know. Again, before kind of the internet was really big. You yeah, I, I was going to ask you, when you were cold calling, I mean, the, the internet was still kind of new even back in, in those days. That would that have been, what, early 2000s, right? AVP? Uh, something like that. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think it's early 2000s. 2004. Okay, yeah. So so even back then, it's not like you could be like, hey, my uh, art portfolio's online. Go check it out. You know, go go check out my Facebook and my, my portfolio. You, yeah. you probably even had a hard time just, like you said, you, you had to bring a prop on the visit to show them versus these days. You, yeah. could, you, you could do what we're doing now. Like, hey, check out all the shit I made. Here's all my art. Yeah. Go to this link. You can check it out. Uh, so you, you yeah. really had to sell yourself, but I, I love the story of kind of how, and I'm guessing that's how you, you, you got your foot into the door then was with AVP just kind of by chance you were, were you, you weren't going there to meet Bill or were you? No, it was, it's just some guy look at your stuff. I didn't even know it was going to be right. a thing. It was just like, I was so wow. lucky. So did you, did go, you marry this I'm girlfriend then? Is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah I'm okay. Still I didn't say. I, hopefully, you married this girl who who got yeah. your foot into the door here. Cause, yeah, 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 yeah. She was just like slick. I was, I was like on on a job <laughs> doing final, and I was just, and she just saw I was a bit depressed, and like she goes, "You should be in films. I'm gonna spend the day calling for you." So she just started. That is me. badass. What a, what a what a lady. Yeah. What a lady there. Yeah, she's brilliant. And uh, but what was cool is I got the job on that. So I'm like, yeah, I got the job. And then Bill, my, the boss at the time, he's like, to, to Marie, my girlfriend, she, he was like, they, they're working on an advert over there and they're doing Bridget Jones. Go and see if you can get it. <laughs> and then she, she sort of got a job too. So then we had to rent, rent a room somewhere. And that is so cool. Well, move out of my mum's mom and dad's. And see, I'm, I've made it. I'm in the film. Damn. So I've got a, you know, I'm a runner, but. Show them, yeah. See, kids, dreams do come true, but don't don't expect a, a Vincent's experience to happen for everyone. Where you, you show up one day and well, two of you, you get jobs in in the film industry that that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, you make sort of. I always say, like, you make the harder you work, the more the luck. Comes of course, to you. of course. So yeah, so you just, you just got to keep banging on with your own lottery yeah. ticket and just don't, working, don't forget his, his the preamble where he was you know spending probably weeks and months cold calling people to try to get an in he oh, was at yeah. a job where he was miserable and it's just it's it's really yeah. vincent the way i hear it it's just one of those kind of fork in the road life moments uh we've all had them and you know your trajectory yeah. depends on which fork you took uh but that that is a that is a fantastic story of how you got into uh, the movie business. So, so AVP was your first foray in, uh, I, I know, obviously I want to get to the star Wars stuff, but what was your, what was your next job before we start talking star Wars after AVP? So I'm on AVP. And AVP, did you just uh, do props or did, did you do any art for that? Uh, no, it was just like, like, yeah, it was just like, you're a, you're a runner. 
and okay, and then I was making tea for people, and then showing I could do things, and then and then Bill was like, yeah, this guy can paint, like maybe he could paint this. They're doing the Alien Queen machine thing, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So then I show them I can do the handcuffs, and they're like, oh, okay, you can do this. And that snowballed them realizing that I was a good model maker, and that um, he was like, after a while, he was like, hey, you should have been an assistant model maker. <laughs> like, we're all we're all seeing that you can do that. So do you mind just keep carrying on as a runner? But you can do the models and do that. I'm like, okay. So that spared me on to be like a model maker. Um, Marie was actually the first person to get on Star Wars. You see, because while I'm doing uh, AVP, she got on Bridget Jones. She met Titiga, who was I think I think I, I, I might be blurry here, but she met some people that were going to go on Batman Begins. So, and then I went on Hitchhikers with, with Bill, the same model lot I was always with, which was cool because we were working on the Hitchhikers Guys of the Galaxy and next door they were doing Batman Begins and we'd always hear, hear the, the Batmobile being wrapped Re- yeah. up. <laughs> we, were next, we were next to the workshop where they were building the Batmobile, so we'd go out and go, wow, it's the new Batmobile. And then, and then what happened was, I think, I, we, and then I went on to um, drink, uh, Casino Royale. I'm a bit blurry, but um, Marie got a job on the prequel. Uh, goddamn uh, Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, because I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, you're gonna get on that?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be. Uh, she's gonna help out on the set. Uh, she was prop, a prop uh, person. So she's like an assistant to the props and uh, where the props go. And she was actually in." Ch- she was actually, uh, she had to be in charge of things like all the lightsabers. Like, they had a cupboard of the lightsabers. Oh. So um, Samuel Jackson would come and go, hey, I need my lightsaber. She's like, oh, is that the gold one, right? <laughs> things like that. And I'm like, oh, you don't even uh, know. What an awesome resume, Mark, to put on there. I am the, the keeper of the lightsabers. I love it. She had to, she had to stand in for R2. In no way. Like, oh. Yeah, so it, like we've got kids now, so I show them, look, oh, that's mum, mummy's just off there, and she's behind the emperor's chair because it was wobbling, so she had to stand there. And <laughs> did she ever? Did she ever so, talk to you about her time on that set? I mean, was it was it a good experience? All the green screen and stuff, or you know, she was just happy to be yeah, there. She, she, yeah, it was, it was just we were, we were all just starry eyed. We were still new, and you know, Rick McCullum was great. Uh, he was lovely to us, like, so I'd go on set, and then, and, you know, that was my first time she'd go, come on, Rick, Rick said you could come on, and <laughs> come on, but then, then I just walked in, and I'm seeing, you know, you and McGregor, uh. and all on blue screen, messing around, and George Lucas is there, and I'm like, ah, oh, do you talk to George Lucas? She's like, yeah, yeah, he's always asking, like, for biscuits, and like, where's the biscuits? It's like, just normal <laughs> stuff, and it's, it's just, just so normal, you know? Um... Yeah, so that's when I met Rick McCollum. He was lovely. And then he said, you know, Marie's doing a great job. What do you, what do, you do? And I'm like, well, you know, at, at, so at this point, my memory is, uh, so I, haven't, I haven't thought about this in a while. So in, the, uh, in, in my last sort of years of college, the prequel books, the, the Attack of the Clones, are off with Ryan Church and Eric Tiemann. Yep. They came out, so that's when I started to learn that. Oh, hang on, these guys rock! Like right? they're doing things digitally. How 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 is this done? Because it's new, right? They're, I can see it's pixels and they're drawing. I don't want to work on a computer. I never <laughs> want to sit on a computer. I know I'm never doing that. 
it's airbrushing or, or matte paint on glass or models. I'm never going to sit my because I was just scared of computers. It's like, Got no, it. it's not doing it. So I was like, workshop. Um, so um, on the on Revenge of Sith, uh, he goes, hey, why don't you why don't you come to Skullker Ranch? Like, have a holiday and come and visit us, and I'll introduce you to Ryan and um, Eric. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah. If you want to be a concert artist, can we, you know, I'll introduce you to you. Oh my god! So then, yeah, we flew down when they were wrapping up Revenge of Sith. Flew down to LA, went to Skullker Ranch. <laughs> Buzzed up the thing. Just amazing. Hi, it's Marie. It's Marie and <laughs> hey, we're here. <laughs> staying here. Yes, they're like, oh yeah, okay, come in. And like, it's it's and that was great. Skull Ranch, and we stayed there for three nights in a in a next to where Spielberg normally stays in a little apartment. Yeah. Wow. Dude. So good. Got, I mean, when we walked, you know, it just—it seems—it just seems surreal. I, I can only imagine because I—I I assume we're we're close to the same age. I was born in eighty, and just thinking. Yeah, me too. Just yeah. thinking in my early twenties, getting an invite to Skywalker Ranch based on my abilities, uh, my partner's abilities. It's just, I mean, when you talk about it, it, it's, it is kind of like a dream at this point in time. It just, it, it seems like something you'd watch in a, in a movie about a, a Star Wars fan that wants to work in films and how things kind of lined up, you know, worked out for you. I mean, obviously you, you, you put in the effort. I'm not saying you're just a lucky son of a gun, but no, yeah. it, it goes to show you the importance of, of networking and connections in, in any industry, right? Because once you two got in, it just kind of snowballed from there with who you were meeting and the projects you were getting um, access yeah, to. Yeah, it was accidental. It was weird because it's ac- it was always been yeah. accidental. Just very know? natural. Uh, yeah, it just like we didn't force our way. You know, you know, we met. She accidentally worked on Star Wars, <laughs> chasing it, and then uh. Rick McCollum, the producer, was really friendly and liked Marie and, and he went to meet me and. He just said, "Come up if you want. Come up and see us." Okay, went there. <laughs> you know, uh, met George. He's just nice, nice guy. Met, you know, I'm walking down Stirl Ranch. Ben Burke walks by. And I'm like, "Oh, that's Ben yeah, Burke." That's the that's the sound guy. He made all the famous sounds. That's the sound yeah. guy. I'm like, Hi, mate. And he walks past, and then we go into because I used to watch them. I was such a so I'm a you know I'm a Star Wars fan. So episodes they used to do like these internet. Oh yeah little webisodes where it showed you the inside of the art department they were mm-hmm. doing Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clone. So I knew already the inside setup of what, you know, and now I'm in the room. So now I'm in the room going, looking at all the artwork, and they gave me the book, and I'm just going, I can't believe it. It was just surreal. And then, uh, yeah, ne- ne- they took me to ILM, and then Ryan Church and Eric went the door, and they, because Rick McCollum's the boss, you know, he arranged it, met them, they gave me a couple of tips of how to draw. They looked at my work and said, you just need to learn perspective. You're not very good at perspective. You're not very good at lighting. You need to <laughs> So think, some good honest know. feedback, right? Yeah, just like, just tell me, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Like, what, like, how can I be like you guys? And, and um, those two guys were great. And then it was that I got there. But then a sad bit is when you wave goodbye. Because in my head, it's like, <laughs> hey, work for us. Be a concept artist. Yeah. And in my and when you're, when you're, you're sort of waving goodbye, thanks guys, and they just get, and you're sort of going, yeah, well, we're, 
and then we're going now and we're yeah. going away from this world and I want to be in that world. And, <laughs> and that's when I was like, oh, that's my chance and that's it. I'm never going to oh. return. That's, that's that. Yeah, you, you're expecting them to like hand you the contract, that visit, yep. right? Like, hey, you're in, yep. lifetime employee of ILM. Yep, Here you it. go. Yeah, yep. no, it wasn't good enough. <laughs> was it was it not so, good enough or they just didn't have any um yeah, well it wasn't the, it wasn't the point of the visit it was just right. i was just going to say yeah just hey i love you guys i'm gonna i want to be like i want to work with stars one day right what what do i do and they said look to me they gave me some great tips which i always think of to this day and and then um said goodbye and i went home thinking i've but what happened was i just got home and I worked on it, and then the films went dead a bit. Um, I went on Casino Royale as a model maker, and I'm just always thinking of him, I want to be a concert artist. I just worked really hard on my skills as a concert artist now, so I learned Photoshop. So you did, you did break down and get into the digital art then yeah. at that point. Yeah, I, I, I learned that it wasn't scary, and it is actually, because anyway, it was good because I've, I've been a, a traditional painter, so. When I started to learn that, hey, I can make a mistake. I don't have to worry. Yeah, you just that, undo, right? Yeah, undo button. Then I was like, this is great. And then it all just went away. So now I was like on the roll. So I was like, right, I'm going to be, I'm going to build up portfolio here. Build up portfolio. Then um, didn't really know who to call on films. Like, how do I get into an art department for a film? That's, that's a whole different side. That's more pre-production. That's earlier. So as I was sort of looking for jobs, I got, I, uh, got a job on video games. So then I left the film industry and worked as a concertist at EA Games and stayed there for like six years. What, what, um, what are some of the titles you helped? Uh, we, we did stuff that never worked and stuff that just never came out. So there was a, there was a, there was a, 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 um, a, a game called Black that was a shoot 'em up before sort of Call of Duty. I think it was before Call of Duty. Okay. It was kind of a big deal. Like it was a, you know, and we were working on the sequel and it just never, it, we worked on it for a year or two years and it never came out. I just wonder when, when you said EA is like, ooh, in that time period, you might have, that might have been like the Mass Effect era of, I know Bioware uh, made it, but no, EA published it. So I don't know if you would have had. No, no, I was doing, we were just, like, I was doing the Burnout franchise. Okay. But I was a concert artist. Just, really what, just for like what, like level design, you you would kind of throw or car design. You... Yeah, so it, it was like we're making a new game. It was it was just like film concept arts. It was like we're making a shoot 'em up. Uh, we're in Iraq, and then there's a hat, like, can you just storyboard all this and concept it? All? And I was like, yeah. And by that point, I was pretty good, and um, they hired me and wanted me to stay as a full time thing, and that was a great moment. But I, it means I left the film industry. And I just ended up stuck there because it was a good job. It was fun. You know, you got to play video games whenever you want. And I liked video games. Um, um, and it, I just stayed and stayed and stayed. And I, I, I did a work. Then I went to Ubisoft for a little bit in, uh, on Splinter Cell. Um, and, then, and then what happened? How did I get back? Um, Oh, yeah, there was sort of a crash in the video game in the UK. There was a, sort of a crash. Everyone started working on iPhones because iPhones. <laughs> yeah, they're like, all right, so, yeah. let's screw these AAA titles. Let's go to the mobile app frenzy and try to get rich quick, right? 
Yeah, and when you're a, when you're a console and you want to do these sort of big title to play games, and they're all starting to do little silly games. Yeah, like like tap bird? and click, uh, Flappy like, Bird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Flappy Bird. It's like I don't want to do this. And some of my mates are like all millionaires now because they all went off and did their first iPhone game. Like, oh, just going to do this. No, I don't do that. And so then I started looking into films again, and then luckily I went. I got in on Game of Thrones. Oh, nice. Um, like for the whole run or just the, the first season? No, or so? no, no, no. I was season three, I think it was, only for like a two months or something. And then they had a, some, something changed and I had to go and I was a bit depressed. But then I ran around and then I got a Ridley Scott job, uh, which was like, Boom in my head. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you're that, yeah, you're talking earlier. For those of you, if, you, if you're joining in now, we're talking with Vincent Jenkins, who's a concept artist. He's worked on some Disney Star Wars films. Uh, AVP was his, his first uh, foray into the movie business, did some of the James Bond movies. And as you just heard, also worked in some AAA video games. So we got a real all-star here in the, in the creative world. Uh, just, just talking about how he got there. Uh, you know, how he took his natural ability and love for art and, and kind of flipped it into, uh, at this point in time, Vincent, a pretty uh, amazing career. We, we've made it up probably to the, the, the 2010s, 12s, like right before you probably got back into uh, films full time with, I'm assuming your first Star Wars project would have been Rogue One. Yeah, so off of, uh, so I got on, uh, I did Exodus with Ridley Scott and that was brilliant then i'm sitting there like i was saying on my first uh, movie book i bought the, the art of batman but and there was a concept art in there by julian caldo and um, there's like the bat and stuff and i was always looking at the bat and i'm a little and go, wow i'm gonna do that so i'm sitting on the, this ridley scott film and i meet this guy and i'm sitting next to him julian and then i'm and i it's, it just he started talking. He goes, "Oh, where you're sitting? That's where we uh, Tim Burton sat. You're sitting where Tim Burton sat when he when we did Batman. Uh, like that's where he sat." That. I went, "I went, you did you did Batman?" He was like, "Yeah, yeah, ages ago I was concertized." And <laughs> I went, "What? Like you're the reason?" Like yeah, I, I mean, talk talk about like, a full circle moment right there. I mean. Vincent told yeah. us earlier that the, the 1989 Batman, the art of book, was really the first time he realized he could take his his drawing skills, love for filmmaking, and and, and do something with it. So yeah, that, that is pretty. That's pretty awesome. So man. now I'm sitting next to the guy who physically did that, and then <laughs> we're friends now. And Julian Caldo, yeah, he's a legend. He's been around for a while. And uh, your chance meetings in life, Vincent, have been pretty damn spectacular. Honestly, I mean, some of these chance meetings you've had, just you know, obviously, again, you, you've put the work in, but the fact that. You were there at that studio at that time in that seat to spawn that conversation. It was odd. It's really odd because, again, like what I said about I used to watch Aliens a lot. Like my, 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 my favorite film is probably Aliens if I think about it. It's probably just Aliens because it's, another, it's like Star Wars. It's a combination when everything works together as a film. Like the magic, the magic all works. Right. Everything works, right? Um, on, on the Ridley Scott thing, I'm sitting there and... Um, Oh, Sigourney Weaver's on this film. Really? Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And I'm working and working. I did a long stint on that film. I was on it for still like two years, but it's a year and a half since. Uh, and she just walks in. 
she walks in and then they introduce me like, oh, Billy did these paintings. Uh, and then she was so interested in the art. And she just, she just was talking to me 20 minutes. <laughs> just chatting about art. I'm like, I'm just talking to Ripley. Yeah. <laughs> like Dana, Dana from Ghostbusters, you know. Unbelievable. I'm just like, like wow that's just have you right. have you kept a, uh like any sort of uh i don't know photo journal or just a journal with notes for all these little uh life happenings you've you've gone through this is the first time i've really chatted about uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah like, you actually you, I mean, you you've got some fantastic stories and, and just really the the path you've taken and the people you've met, and just again by by happenstance, it's not like you you, you scheduled to meet Sigourney. Uh, no. You just happened to be there at the right place, right time, and and obviously she appreciated your work, and you got to chat with her like two humans, not a superstar yeah, no, and an artist, just, just two humans chatting. No. It is pretty impressive. Yeah. Someone in our chat just said you need to play the lotto. Uh, the, the the lottery. I, I don't know if the UK <laughs> does lotteries like we do, but uh, well, I'm on that. I'm, I just got into the cryptocurrency. Uh, well, you sort of you thing. got in at the I'm wrong like, moment, man. Hopefully, you didn't buy yeah. any Bitcoin because that thing is is eating it hard yeah. right now. <laughs> oh, I got into Ethereum quite early, so all right. I mean, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, ETH is doing okay. So, I mean, being an artist, are you getting mixed up in the NFT um, stuff with um, crypto I'm, or? Uh, I wish I was selling loads and loads, and but no, I mean I I got in, I was I got into it as you know, but no, no one would smile. But I mean, I haven't really got much personal stuff, and haven't really built up a sort of a, a, a what do you call it, like a you know, because I'm it, all my stuffs. I'm always working, so I don't own my Yeah, stuff. I was going to say, it's not like, I mean, what, what we're looking at here, people, if you're on the live stream, I have Vincent's Instagram page up, and you can see a grid or his gallery grid, and you're seeing most of his professional work for the, the you know, the films he's worked on, the Star Wars movies, and yeah, like you're saying, you, even though those came out of your hands and your brain, you don't own those. I can't sell them, no. Yeah. So, so it's building up a kind of, I'm kind of doing it now more like building up a bit of my own head and like putting stuff down the high things yeah. called and designing ships and whatever. But to be honest, I'm so knackered from working. I can't, I, I could don't have to yeah, just can't be bothered about. with that, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm good at doing little lunchtime sketches and paintings because I know they can get done, but... And and I know like when people like you say it's a lunchtime sketch, it's still a work of art to most of us. (laughs) Like we we have someone in the community called Daz Tibbles. I mean, I I don't know how this guy isn't working professionally, but he's like, oh, this was just a quick lunch sketch. And it's like my jaw drops like a lunch sketch. You call that a lunch sketch. It's like, all right, I I see how how it goes. But. All right, so um, I've had you about 40 minutes here. I don't want to push you over an hour, but I do want to get into some of the, uh, the, the Star Wars films you've, you've worked on. Um, so let, let's kind of get into Rogue One. How did you go from the, the Ridley Scott and then start working with uh, uh, Disney on, Star Wars? I on, yeah, yeah I, was on, I was working with someone. You know, you meet art directors and you get friendly with everyone, and then they go, hey, man. Oh, no, I was, I was, on, some, I was on the Ridley Scott thing, and there was then, then you know, Force Awakens was down, you know, across the right. And it's like there. And I'm like, okay, wow, that's, I would love to work on Star Wars. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, so I think I put my CV in and I found out who the production designer was. And he's chatting, like, I just don't need anyone. I've gone full. Everyone wants to work on this. Yeah, yeah, probably. So 
carried on working and I think um, um, an art director was going to work on, he said, hey man, look, they're, they're actually doing another Star Wars film. Like, I'm going for an interview with Neil Lamont. He's a, again, Neil Lamont is a legend. Like, uh, his dad, Peter Lamont, did Aliens, Titanic, Le Bond, uh, True Lies. So this is his son, is Neil Lamont. He's going to be doing a new Star Wars film. I'm like, oh my God, can you give me, have you got his email? He's got me. Yeah, 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 here you go. Here. So then I just, yeah, so I, I managed to get in. I managed to get an interview. They liked my stuff on the email and my mind was just blowing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and work on Star Wars. I didn't know what it was. I heard it might have been a spin-off thing. So I went to see Neil Lamont and dude, it's, I mean, I, yeah, I'm a Star Wars, I'm a, I'm original. I'm like an old school Star Wars fan. So I came from them three movies, right? you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, I watched the prequels. I'm, you know, I, I'm not. It doesn't do what. what the you, you've, you, you me. tolerate them like most of us of our generation. We, we tolerate the prequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's good stuff in there, they, they uh, used to make me angry, but I've gotten over that. I, they're, they're not as. Yeah, as yeah a, me too. I, the, yeah. I think the cartoons have, have helped me to appreciate them a bit more, and some of the new stuff they're okay. doing. But yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> Yeah, so, so um, yeah, I met Neil Lamont. He gave me the job. He was, oh, we just clicked. He's great. Uh, and and he said, yeah, man, uh, I want you to work on... Well, Boom. Because, yeah, yeah, he's like, come on. He's like, <laughs> this, this one's going to be great. Because it's Force Awakens. He's like, no, this one's going to be great, though. Because this one is like, this one's like, um, the, you know the crawl at the beginning of Star Wars? I'm like... Because I know it, I'm like what the rebels, yeah. spies. And he's like, yes, yeah, it's the film about them. And I'm just like, that's it. <laughs> wow. That's like, like, so not only is it like a new film, it's actually a tying to the original. Yeah, yeah. So, it's... so, so it's like it was better than the Force of like me personally. I'd rather work on Rogue than Force. Totally understandable. Force was like an, evo- an, an evo- um, evolution of that design, and and they could go off and do different things. Whereas this one was like. How do we make a 70s film? That was the yeah. Lamont's thing. We need to pretend that we're making this like a couple of weeks after A New Hope. Like we so that, that was kind of the mantra at the, in the yeah. art studio for Rogue One was we got to make this 70s style. Yeah, we are making, we're going to use the same materials. We're going to look at what stuff they used to use. Plastics, why does it feel like? And that was the genius of Neil Lamont, right? He just, he, and, he, and his dad knew, you know, comes from that era as well. And his dad did Aliens. So then we had like Gareth Edwards, the director, he was a fan of Aliens and he even looked at, you know, he referenced what it felt like, you know, in Aliens when they, the dropship lands. And it, so it was all tying together. And, that, and that's when I'm sitting there and I meet all these great artists that are like me that have come together and, you know, we're friends with them now to this day, and and you just this band of people all just meet up these concert artists, and you just and model makers, and we're all just going, we all just go, wow, we're like, it's a bit like you know in Close Encounters when they them guys, all them different people all meet at that mountain because they've all had the message. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Like if you build it, and they will like, come. Look at each other going, we know why why we got here. Yeah, this is it. Like. So then, then you go, then you're told to, then you're given a script and it's just like, brilliant. You're going, wow, this is great. It's about the dad who, dad built a thing. And I, I loved it because it was about the, 
the floor that was, you know, the Death Star floor that was actually a design, and Dad put it there because he was forced to build this thing. Yeah, it's a, and I'm not. Yeah, most most fans uh, to this day, you know, our our generation and, and younger and older, do point to Rogue One as their favorite Disney production so far, and I, I think it's because of a lot of things you hit on, and and as you told us the. The design mantra from the get-go was, we're going to honor what, what they were doing back in the 70s. We're, we're going to keep those techniques, the same style. And it, and it did kind of show in the film. I, I do want to ask you, because you know, on the outside, we hear all these stories about Rogue One and how you know Gareth wasn't getting the job done. They had to bring Tony Gilroy in. Did you experience that, or was that all kind of blown up by the, the outside media and all that? Um, I was, we were still kind of kept at a distance because we were busy working. And when you're in the art department, you're just frank, frank, uh, you're just so busy working on the redesigns and like, you know, we have to build these sets and now Gareth wants this or someone wants that. And can you quickly make up this? And you're so busy that you sort of hear these little things. I couldn't, I'm not, you know, I can't really say what really happened. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just, it was just happening. And, and, uh, so it, and, uh, someone in pre-production, when you guys turn that and girls turn it over to principal, are you effectively done or do, does the director or the production designer, the art designer, do they sometimes come back to, to you all to concept something that may need, that may be needed after filming starts i've always wondered like is pre-production truly done when they move into principal or, or do you guys sometimes get called upon to keep producing some concepts after filming starts oh yeah so we're, we're producing stuff as they're filming okay. downstairs got you <laughs> so they're filming downstairs and like oh we're going to do a new scene where we there's a you know so and then we're like oh my god oh my god and then, then neil lamont needs to you know build that so we have to help him design everything or you know how can we you know and then it gets tight uh, and then you have to sometimes redesign something we already have and make that look like something else and then it's just it's just like what was cool like one of the last things was the vader room down uh, the vader fight uh, at the end of rogue one so we are sitting in the, so that scene i'm sitting with the art department is just the next floor up because that was the stage downstairs got you <laughs> so we're like hey it's downstairs today they're shooting it should we go down should we go down like we've got to go down <laughs> we've got so much to do we've got to go down and see vader come on vader's down there kicking ass okay so we went down there on a good day where it was the day where oh man so you got to see that scene filmed then we were there we were there where wow. he turns on his lightsaber in the dark and we were there and we were actually standing to the to the right of him, right. Of him. So we're down that corridor to his right, and then in between takes, I'm like, ah, so this, I'm going up to Darth Vader. So I went up to Darth Vader and I shook it down. <laughs> Darth Vader was like, uh, was it just some random stuff. stunt guy in the Vader suit, like just, or, or was it a an actor? No, it was like he was like a top. He was like a professional stunt guy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't like even imagine big... what that was. So you got to see that whole thing filmed from start to finish, or you just watched a few? Did they do it in one take? How many takes did it take? Do you remember? I think they did it in a day. But I'm not sure. Um, one of my mates, uh, John McCoy, who's a, a concept artist, 
he, his job was, he was more of the storyboarding, the whole thing with Gareth, him and Matt Alsop. And uh, his job, I think John was like frantically getting them storyboards. Oh, so got you. Right, right, right. Yeah, so he was really made up because he Damn. got to get the... See, there's just, just another awesome thing Vincent has gotten to do in life due to his artistic talents. Are you listening, young boys and girls? Because they can take you oh, far. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got to be Stormtrooper. Well, yeah, I, I was just going to bring that up because I have your, your image up and you got to be what many fans now call the probably the coolest looking type of Stormtrooper. And uh, Vincent got to play a short trooper and I've gotten an image up on the live stream. If you're uh, following along or watching the replay, uh, it looks like you're there with, with uh, two of your mates, uh, Chris Vincent and... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, and and uh, Carl Wetton was there as a, as a regular Stormtrooper too. I think Cole actually got me the gig because it was one. I think it was after. Ah, oh, I can't remember. It was right near the end, and it was a it was a set I designed. So we had to, we had to. Um, it was a it's a it's a true tube station in London. Really, that whole set. Yeah. And my job There's was to one, make it you? look like an, an empire style base, right? And uh, and then I got to be. He said, "Oh, we we need another extra." Damn it! <laughs> look at this. And I'm like, yay, great. You got it's an all night shoot. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, yeah who care. gives a so shit, I right? There. I mean, you get. Yeah, no, I didn't care. So I, I went down there on a set. I can't remember. I middle of, went down there in the evening and we shot it all night. It was basically me in a stormtrooper outfit and those of others running up and down all night, marching. Oh, like, yeah, it was did, great. Do you know, oh, did you make the cut then? I mean, do, do you know? Can you. I'm in there, yeah. I'm in there. I had I had a really good bit scene where I was right past the camera, there you go. and I was really like, were you, were you, were you jockeying with your friends? Like, no, I'm going first. Get out of the way. I know where the camera placements are out. Watch out. <laughs> I got I got to get in here. I'm not getting cut. I think, well, yeah, there was a lot of like trying to be near the camera <laughs> or listening out where they needed people, but we were so knackered, like a lot of people just couldn't do it anymore as well. Like we were slow. Did Did you get to keep any but souvenirs? That, no, you can't. It's just so. I don't think. No, no, nothing really. I think it, it was such a magical thing. You just didn't. You didn't. Yeah, the, the memories are probably all you really need. Yeah, the, the biggest memory, the biggest magical thing is having that stormtrooper helmet on and seeing through it the set that I had designed for that right. place, and I'm stormtrooper in it, and then they go action, and I'm walking as a stormtrooper. I'm like, I don't believe this is even happening. That's so yeah. That that that's pretty awesome. I mean that. I mean, as as a as an artist or concept artist, that's probably uh, the most you could ask for in working on a Star Wars film is to actually get into the movie. Uh, let alone your designs are in the movie. You know that, but now you yourself are in the movie. It's too bad it wasn't a named role to get yourself some royalties every time that every time they play the movie on TV, you get a nice little check in the mail. But I know extras don't get that don't get that bonus. Do you do you get royalties then? Because you are. I mean, I assume you're you're in the credits, right? So. Or do artists not? Well, as as concept art, you get yeah, you get a credit at the end as concept artist. Uh, you don't get any. No, you're paid for just the work. Right. So it is just that, you yeah. know, typically the the stunt performers and the actors they're the only ones that get that the 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 royalty type of of deal. Yeah, actors and stuff. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Those scumbags. It's 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 people like you that make them look good, right? You should get it too. So, no, that that is great. So from Rogue One, then I'm assuming you you made enough contacts within the the Star Wars art universe. Did that lead directly into Solo? Did you roll right off a of Rogue One in the Solo? Yeah, yeah. So so 
yeah, again, another person I missed out is like when you work on Rogue One, and you know, I discovered, you know, when I first worked, Neil Lamont was like, yeah, we've got Doug Chang here too. And I'm like, really? Like, he was like co co-production designer. So I was working for Doug Chang, and that was like, yeah, isn't he? I mean, he's basically the the top dog in in the art these yeah, days so at Lucasfilm. Really just a, just, yeah, he was like making sure it's all kosher. Yeah, you know, like he's helping because I'm sure, like you, you remember watching him on the behind the scenes on the Phantom Menace because I think that's when he. I don't know if he first yeah. started, but he was just like a, an art supervisor or something like that. Uh, yeah, he was like concept yeah. artist. Like George Lucas only had him and a, right. you know, someone right. else. I think on. But he was he was someone that I took note of and tried to copy his drawings and his style and how did he do it? Yeah, because he's the man there just, now in terms of of art. Yeah, he's the man and he's really nice and uh, yeah and he yeah once you're in and you you know you're sort of in the Star Wars family so then they're like okay you know we're doing this next and then you know Neil Lamont got hired to do Solo so he wanted needed um, do that. Um, and that was great. Another one, except in the sort of seventies era, and um, yeah, that was great. That yeah, was just I'm, I'm pulling up some of your early solo concepts, and they are absolutely fantastic. I mean, even even though you use digital now, what what would you say your your style is? Is it still rooted in in airbrush, or do you have a, an actual name for the style of art you use for these concept art pieces? Um. Well, how do you? Oh, so yeah, it's a bit. I'm always sort of changing. Um, I can't. I yeah. I, I push and pull myself. It's 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 a weird one because yeah, I was an airbrush artist, so it, it, I'm sort of painting in a in a airbrushed way, and then I go into watercolor way, and then it's it's I'm all over the place. I don't even recognize my style. Um, it's a hard one to answer because I'm I'm never happy. So. So oh, I, I've got sounds... your concept, I'm assuming it was yours, of Lando's Falcon. Did they ultimately use that for the escape pod and all that deal? I mean... Yeah, that was my first... When I went on to Solo, I was like, right, Neil, what shall I do? What's my first job? And he went, well, uh, they want to see the Falcon. And oh. I'm like, well, how cool. He's going, and they're not really sure. You know, they, they know they want it to be look different. Uh uh, so they're like painting it blue and they they put another cockpit on the other side and all this sort of stuff and my heart. And he's going, yeah, do you want to have a stab at that? It's meant to be sort of in its prime, like Lando's got it and they want it to look like a triangle. They want to put something on the front, like maybe it's coverings or maybe it's this, we don't know. Okay. So yeah. And I, with me, I'm, I'm very, um, I, I, I respect the whole like history of Star Wars massively, like Ralph McQuarrie, and I respect massively. I don't want the Falcon to look silly, or I don't want to, you know, I'm the last person. I, would, I wouldn't even want to touch it, you know, obviously. But okay, if if I, you know, if I can help, I, I'll, you know. So yeah, so I, yeah, I, I worked on that. So so uh, I mean, can you, Vincent? Can you take credit then for the escape pod? of Lando's Falcon or, or did a team kind of come up with that and you just realize it with the art? No, it's, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a massive team effort because, you know, you know, the writers knew they wanted something. They didn't know what, it, you know, they knew, they knew they saw it was like a triangle. Maybe it's, there's a pod on the front. And I think there was a toy at one point. There was a pod on the front. So, uh, 
yeah, we were doing lots of different things. Uh, I, I, I just saw it that yeah, it has to be if it's if it's going to be something there, it's going to be an escape pod. So I was always putting escape pod in, and I was looking at um, Ralph McQuarrie's early stuff when it was cleaner. And my, my thing, my the thing that I pitched that I wish they did and they didn't, but um, I, I looked at the Falcon and I went, oh, I know, I'll take off all the gubbins off it, and that can be. Han Solo's uh, special modifications I did myself. You know, that line. Okay. Nice. Well, what happens when I get the Falcon and I take all the pipe work off the, off the, off the surface? And once I started doing that and covering, covering up the missing panels and then spray it all white, it looked like a Falcon in its prime, like just off the showroom. And that's when like, people will pass my monitor and go, whoa, that looks pretty neat. That looks pretty neat. And I took the satellite dish off, and, and then um, we had these great model makers, um, Neil Ellis and Alex Hutchins, and they are the, the, the model makers to guess because they know everything from Star Wars. And, and Neil Ellis was great at making, and he just knew everything about Falcon. So, then it, so my concept would then go to him, or I think maybe we're working at the same time, and you just start to work together and build this, these different Falcons, and the directors would come in. And then they start getting excited because actually this looks... And actually, Dennis Murren came in and he looked at it and he even went, yeah, that looks cool. If you're going to push it, push it. So it was a great, it was a great thing because, um, yeah, we didn't go too So far. on this show, at least, we'll, we'll say we're talking to the creator of Lando's version of the Millennium Falcon, at least on the Star Wars Time One Show. We'll, we'll, we're going to say that. <laughs> One of them. That is just too damn cool. Well, Vincent, we, we've hit an hour. Could, could you give me maybe five more minutes just to talk about what you, you yeah, currently yeah. are doing in, in Star Wars? Because I know that this is, I mean, obviously the, the, the fans here are really loving your stories. They're, they're, uh, they're probably just as, as jealous as I am. But again, it's not like Vincent got all this just by bumbling through life. I mean, a lot of hard work was put in. He's just, you know, someone that that kind of hit a trajectory that led and and snowballed from one opportunity to the next, and and here we are. So the the latest Star Wars project that you can at least talk about, um, Vincent. I, I think I could say this because you know Disney has said it themselves. But at one point in time, Vincent was also working on the Kenobi movie um, before they. And I think this was all a knee-jerk reaction to TLJ and then Solo's box office. Uh, and this, this again, my opinion, nothing Vincent said. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the brass, the, the, the money keepers at Disney are like, eh, hold on, let, let's maybe re- reevaluate our plans here. Uh, but there was a Kenobi movie, and, and Vincent was, you were doing some uh, pre-production for yeah, that. Yeah, really excited. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a hard one because, uh, yeah, we were running for five months. Yeah, so it was, I mean, it was a real thing. I know some people, they never know what to believe on the internet. And, and I believe Ewan himself said, yeah, we were going to do a movie. So I've been, you know, for five or six years deflecting questions of, will you ever play Kenobi again? Because he obviously couldn't talk about it. Um, did yeah. you, um, I, I mean, I know things change and you might have been on another job, but did you have an opportunity to do anything for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series? Or were you already taken up on Andor? Uh, we can't, I can't remember. Um, I think we were on we were on the Kenobi thing, and um, it went down, or we we were taking a break or something. So I went off and did something else. I can't remember what I did. 
it's a bit, a bit of a blur. Oh, I, I, oh, I, um, so yeah, I went on and worked on The Kingsman with Matthew Vaughan. I think that's where, where I went. Yes. Yeah. And that's where I'm with now. So I, so I work directly with Matthew Vaughan now and do, um, uh, uh, yeah, that's where I am. So, so I, I did The Kingsman. Uh, it's not out yet. <laughs> Still not out. Well, that was one of the movies um, that kind of got caught up in the whole COVID lockdown shuffle of 2020. Yeah, yeah. It's just on a yeah. shelf. We're just dying to get it out. It seems too long ago when I done it. But then after that one, they I went on Cassian. Yeah, again, it was just like um, yeah, it was some of the what's the name of the production designer Luke uh, Luke Hall, the production on that one. So I did I did a, a little bit on that, but again, yeah, that's that should be good. That that looks like Rogue. Yeah, that's in of, that's in that yeah. Rogue One era. I mean, it, it's yeah, same yeah. character, maybe a few years earlier. But you actually, I mean, I'm, I haven't pulled up on our live stream here for those watching. You two of your pieces of Andor concept art made it into the the sizzle reel they showed, I believe, yeah, they last did, December yeah. during yeah. that that big Disney stage reveal where they announced ten other projects. It was it was a pretty awesome yeah. day for for Star Wars fans. But you actually got mm. got got two shots in there. It's the one where you, you see Cassian. It looks like he's in an A wing cockpit. I don't know. You're the creator. Was that an A wing cockpit, or you can't tell? Uh, no. Okay, uh, and then uh, another one where he's kind of sitting behind a wall, getting ready to ambush yeah, some troopers. Cool one, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Now with something like this, do, do you anticipate them shooting scenes like this, or did, did they just give you ideas and they're like, hey, you know, Vincent, this is what? No, that was that was an actual like we want him by a wall, and can you do this? And and and. Um, Luke was really cool. He knew what he wanted, and he could sketch and he sort of help him do something like this. And, and uh, yeah, it was a good, nice one because you know when you've got a good leader like you know a production designer, and they you know they kind of know what they want, and then they you can communicate like an artist, and you just go, yeah, okay, that will, and then trust you, and then trust him, right? And uh, yeah, it's and you're not you're you're currently done with that project. You've you've. Oh yeah, I was only on it for a little while. I did a, a bunch of things for them, and then I left. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, Matthew Vaughan sort of wanted me to come. You know, he offered me like um, so. I'm like a visual development supervisor for Marv, so it's like all of, all of Matthew Vaughan's projects. Um, so that's that, that's great, pretty yeah. slick. That's, that's some awesome stability. You know, moving your way up in the in the in the concept art food chain. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's nice. It's nice, nice. He's great, and we, we and it seems to happen that way because I, I got a, a buddy in the in the stunt side of the business, and his opportunities also have seemed to come from getting on a project, meeting people, sticking with those people, and kind of moving on to other stuff. To where at one point, you know, like you're saying now, you, you potentially could be working on anything Matthew Wood does until he decides to quit, right? I mean, it, it seems that the certain directors coordinators mm. when they find people they like to work with they tend to carry them along their own journey is that fair to say yeah it's like a, yeah it's like a little circus if you if, you, if everyone's right. doing great yeah i, I call the stunt really side that they're like stunt mafia because it's like one one stunt guy gets on a project he'll bring in you know five others give them give them some work <laughs> you know that that type of deal and it, it, it sounds like it's the yeah. same in in some of the other uh, non yeah. 
superstar aspects of, yeah. of making a movie. Um, so uh, tell us all the secrets. When, when is Andor going to take place? Are we going to see K2SO? You know, come on. They, they don't care. You're not working there right now. <laughs> I'd say, I'd say the, the, biggest, the biggest thing about being a Star Wars fan as well and doing things is like something like the Obi-Wan thing, right? There was only a few of us on that. And, you know, I re- you know we read the scripts. And, and I can never tell anyone. Oh boy! So you, yeah, you may. I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, maybe they just blew the whole thing up for Disney Plus, and, and Deborah had a different take. But I would think that they they may use some of those tidbits. Maybe we'll have to uh, bring you back on the show once Kenobi comes out and ask you if if any of the moments from the planned film made it into the show. Uh, that that could yeah. be a good follow up interview to just kind of to, to check on that to see if they. Yeah, I'm waiting to see. I'm just waiting to see if they do if it, if it is actually what we. In terms of Andor, did they give you any any inclination as to when it may hit Disney Plus? I mean, a lot of us are guessing 2022. They're doing. I really, I don't. I haven't got. To, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. They, they don't, you know. I don't even ask dates and things like that. So I'm just, you know. No, we don't. I, I'm hoping it's, you know, I'm seeing, I think there's pictures online of them doing, you know. Oh, they're all over. This, it seems over in the UK especially, it's impossible to keep any Star Wars location secret or protected because, I mean, I'm telling you what, there's just been an insane amount of, of set leaks uh, coming out. I think it was yeah. like the, the Cleverly set they shot there for like a week on a public bridge. So I mean, there's people all every day just sitting there filming, filming scenes being shot. Uh, Diego showed up there. They, they they caught him. They caught a guy in a robot suit that looked like he could potentially be a K2SO type of droid. So, um, but yeah, they're they're definitely in principle. So I, I'm just I was wondering. I, I'm assuming 2022. Didn't know if you had any 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 secret information, but. It must be, tw- yeah, it must be 2020. Yeah, because I think this year all we have really for Star Wars coming out, at least that they've said, is that, that Book of Boba. I don't know if you're into any of the the new live action series like The Mandalorian or, or stuff Filoni's been working on, but it, it's been pretty damn good. So, uh, yeah, I hear people are happy. Yeah, we're, uh, we're all looking forward to that, but. I don't know, man. This was awesome. I, I appreciate you taking this hour 10 with me. I know we went a little over, but you just had so many damn good stories. I mean, uh, those watching the live stream uh, kind of echoed my sentiments, you know, just like, wow, this this guy definitely should play the Mega Millions the next time he's over in the States. Uh, but it just, I, I, those that are listening, I just, I, I love stories like Vincent's because, you know, regular guy that had a, a, a talent and artistic skill. He realized it at a young age, massaged it, and you know just kind of carried it on through. And, and through meeting people and networking, uh, he's been able to live out a dream of, of working in the, the film industry, both as you know props early on, and now using, as we like to call it, his real ass paint skills. So I, I just I think your story is is, is phenomenal, and it's, it's inspirational. Hopefully, like I said, some of you younger people listening to this, you know, don't don't give up. The cold calling, like all that stuff. We, we may sit there and, no. and, and listen and be like, oh, he's such a lucky. He's just lucky. Like luck, luck schmuck, uh, right? Well, I mean, luck yeah. comes to those who work for it. All right. I mean, it, it's, yeah. 
yeah, I mean, we could say the stars were aligned <laughs> for Vincent at certain parts in time, uh, certain points in time, but he got himself there. And that's that's the key point. He went to school. He worked. He put his 10,000 10, hours into his art forms, as we learned. It's not just real ass paint. He can also make props. Um, so it, it's been a pleasure visit, uh, Vincent, sorry there, everyone make sure to go, uh, check him out on ins- Instagram at Vincent Jenkins Jr. All right. We, we have it up here on the live stream. Um, you, you should also just be able to search for him on Instagram. He also has a, a web link out there to showcase, I think some of your, your personal art on that foundation app. Uh, So go check them out. Give them a follow. Lots of wonderful looking real deal Star Wars concept art out there. I know we have a lot of art fans here. So uh, good follow and and a good guy. It was was great talking with you, Vincent. Thank you again. Um, Yeah, it's been fun, man. Really fun. We we appreciate your time. I'll I'll make sure to have uh, Spencer send a recording over just in case you want to check it out and see how things played out. Um, but loved your stories, man. Uh, I, I am, I am a little jealous, but Hey, it, it is what it is. Like I said, I still don't know what I want to do and I'm, I'm about to be 41 years old. It pays to know what you want to do when you're young. You can end up like Vincent working on some fantastic sci-fi franchises as well as, you know, bond the Kingsman getting the spy stuff in there. So bravo. Good, sir. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll turn you loose. I know you're over there in the UK, so it's probably getting a little late. Uh, but That's thanks again, right. man. Thank you very much. All right. We'll see ya. See ya. All right, my friends. How about that? That was pretty special. Let me, uh, I got to go ahead and get my buddy in here now, Mr. Nick. Don't worry. We're not done yet. We are not done yet. I'm glad uh, those of you that are watching enjoyed the interview. I just, man, uh, Nick missed a good one here. Uh, Let's pull him into the cast real quick. Hopefully real quick. Huh. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, good, good, good one. Good get there, Spencer. I, uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, Vincent was uh, easy to talk to as those of you are, are chiming in here in the chat. Um, awesome stories. I mean, come on. Just think about that dude's trajectory in college. Just shows up by chance on, on a set and the set is AVP. And really from there, he's off to the races uh, getting to check out the Revenge of the Sith set, getting to hang out at Skywalker Ranch while he's still a young guy, and then all those years later coming back and working on Rogue One, Solo, Andor. He was on the Kenobi movie before it got canned. Uh, so awesome stuff there from Vincent. All right, while we wait for uh, Nikki Buddy to call in, go ahead and get my uh, Bad Batch stuff queued up here. Ah, there we go. It was a good episode. It was, um, I mean, honestly, this, this episode, episode six, which Nick and I are going to talk about once he joins, I, I thought this was going to be uh, one for the filler crowd where they're going to get overly angry. Uh, but to my surprise, looking at some of the comments on Instagram, a lot of people love this episode. So I'm still confused as to what constitutes filler versus just good world building in the Star Wars fandom. But hey. Uh, the Star Wars fandom is always going to confuse me. Um, I guess before we get into it, I could, I could talk about some real life stuff real quick. Uh, I've made my return to the movie theaters. Did that last week. I, I checked out A Quiet Place Part 2, which is absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. Yes, I had to use the F word in there because it's that damn good. 
uh, Krasinski's got one hell of a franchise on his hands, and I believe they're going to do a part three, and I think they're even going to do a spinoff now, but absolutely loved it. It was nice being back in the theater, still a little sketchy. You know, this whole, if you're vaccinated, don't wear masks. If you're not, wear masks. I mean, who the hell knows who's what? So I still kept mine on the whole time. There's others in there without it. But it, it was nice to kind of get out for the first time in a year and in many months and and check out a movie on the big screen. And I'm not dead yet, so that's a good thing. Uh, video game playing. Those of you, if you're in our in my Discord, I think I was talking about it, but I someone actually sent me Biomutant to review, which is a new open world action RPG for consoles and PC. And while it's not perfect, it it doesn't quite have the excellence of, say, a Ghost of Tsushima. It was still a pretty good game, so I got a video review up on my Entertainment Buddha YouTube channel. You can go check that out. And last but not least, as I get Nick in here, we, um, I've been playing Mass Effect Legendary. Fucking A. Love it. I've played those games so many times, it just does not matter. The, the level of polish that they've put into this remaster, in my opinion, makes it well worth it. So, what's, what's Devin saying here? Uh, yes, props. I would watch Quiet Place in theaters if you're comfortable. 100%. Yes, Super Scoundrel, there is never filler for Star Wars time. You're correct. All right, let me call uh, Nikki Buddy in here, and uh, let's get the party started. All right. Boom, boom, boop, 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 boop. I got to make the the Skype sounds just so we don't have a lot of dead air. There he is. There he is. And look at it. He shows right up on the live stream, unlike our guests, where it never fucking works. And I have to rebuild the whole damn platform every time someone calls in, but not for Nick. He dials in and he's connected. Uh, there, let me unmute you, pal. How's it going? Good. You want to, It knows. The technology knows that I am it's, the co host of the show. So it just shows I, up. I can't, dude. Works. I don't know what to tell you, man. But <laughs> I brought Vincent in today. Same fucking shit as when we interviewed SW Props. I had to rebuild oh, the man. whole damn screen for him. Uh, luckily, he was a good guy. I'll yeah. tell you what, man. I, I know you're dealing with some life nonsense, which we'll talk about. You missed a good one there. That was awesome. Uh, I know, you know, I, I don't really ever watch our show in full, but I, I, I recommend <laughs> you check that out. Not yeah. so much for what I did, but just to listen to Vincent's stories and, and how he went from, you know, just casually getting a job as a runner on that set of AVP to showing up at Skywalker Ranch just to sleep over to ultimately working on Rogue, Solo, Andor. And he revealed he was actually... Uh, on the Kenobi movie for six months before it got canned. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to have been there, but let, let, yeah, let like- him, let him have it, Nick. So uh, those of you that are longtime fans, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my poor friend, Nick has had a, a run of just some horrible luck. It yep. started with, with, with jobs and bad timing with trying to get new jobs. And then it, it's progressed into his new home that he bought with his lady love, which I don't, you haven't even been in the new house for a year yet, right? 
just over a year. Okay. So we're we're 13 and a half months in. So anyways, <laughs> so. The, the, the new house, first thing it did, it, it robbed him of his Darth Revan lightsaber because of, yes. of an address mishap. Yes. He's had shit fall out of the ceiling from the bathroom. Yep. Uh, all sorts of stuff that he's already had to have warranty claims on. <laughs> and just this week, Nick, what's the latest thing, that the, the, yes. the latest saga of the new home? New home, people. New home is the brand, key word Brand here. new. Yeah. For, for <laughs> those who have not been in, in the, the tales of my home, it's a brand new house, new build. So last week, Taylor and I, we went on a little vacation to see my family in New Orleans. And while we were away... Uh, in Austin, it was like torrential downpour. <laughs> I mean, days, days and days and days of rain. So we came uh, back. I'm sorry on, to laugh, but it, <laughs> hopefully it just lightens the mood. A bit. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can do at this point. So we, we come home and we look in our bedroom and right in the corner of the room, we can see a nice wet spot on our ceiling and wall. So we're like, fucking great. We have a we have a roof leak. So. That was the first thing. Luckily, in that instance, we were able to get somebody out and get somebody to repair it <laughs> relatively fast, only a three-day turnaround. But today, today was a, a real kick in the balls. So for the last two months or so, we've been working with our warranty person to get our downstairs floors replaced. Um, they just weren't installed properly. It's always popping and cracking and, you know, bending in when you step on it. So there's clearly a problem that needs to be fixed. Uh, today was supposed to be the day that this repair was going to happen. So it, in preparation for that, Taylor and I cleared out the entire downstairs of our home. Right. Cause they, I mean, they, they essentially have to relay your entire floor, right? Yeah, they have to remove all of the floor as it is, re-level it with like a cement Fuck leveling, <laughs> and then they have to go back in and reapply, like put oh. floor back on it. So Taylor and I spent the back half of yesterday and some some part of the morning literally like moving our kitchen table out, moving all of our chairs out, moving the bookshelves out, moving all of the all of the things that are in our downstairs we moved into our garage by ourselves. The only thing that we left in there was our sofa because we were told that the sofa could be moved and they could work around it. So no big deal. We could leave that in there. So luckily we didn't have to move that. But every other thing we we moved out into our garage. We had plumbers come over. They disconnected our dishwasher. They disconnected our stove and oven. They disconnected. Uh, they removed the toilet and the sink from our downstairs bathroom because they need to get in everywhere downstairs to do the replacement. So. So we, you know, even up until this morning, we're we still, haven't even we're hit still the doing good stuff. part yet. We haven't even got there yet. So I'm like, I'm stressed. I'm like, all right, well, we, we're not going to be able to go downstairs for like a day and a half because they're going to be working and blah, blah, blah. So the workers get here <laughs> this morning and it's two young kids and uh, they walk in and they say, hey, all right, hey, oh, hey boss, so we're here. We to, yeah. Hey, where are we supposed to do the work? I'm like the whole floor. All of it, you know, all of the floor needs to be replaced. <laughs> and immediately one of the guys was like, oh, uh, I need to call my boss. <laughs> I was like, "Uh oh, and in that moment, in that moment, I knew I was like this. We're fucked. <laughs> I was like, we're fucked. So the, so while the one kid's on the phone, the other kid's telling me like, oh, well, we only came with five boxes worth of floor tiles. Yeah, that ain't going to work. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that, that's probably not enough, huh? And he's like, 
No. And, he, and then, you know, so I tell him what his, what his boss told me. He's like, I was like, well, your boss said that you guys would just be able to take the floors up and then you'll be able to use the same planks to put back down. And the kid looks at me, he's like, you know, with any other floor type other than the one that you have, we, we could probably do that. But the floor type that you have is too, is too brittle. It, it like when you pull it up, it Strike tends two. to break. And I was like, you have to be, I was like, all right, well, you know, get, get your boss on the phone, see if you can get any more materials. But in my head, I know <laughs> that he's not going to be able to get more materials because this material, it took them two months to get the five boxes in that they got. <laughs> and I was like, there's not a fucking shot on in the world that we're going to get this. But he's on his phone with the with his boss. So then I call my warranty guy and I'm like, hey, Greg, you know, what's going on? The guys are here. They're saying that they don't have enough <laughs> materials to do the whole floor. And then he's like, what? I told them to order enough to do the whole house. So then... We get their boss in, we get the warranty guy in, and then it's just like, it is nothing but an apology. It's a big festival. circle jerk at that point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because there's nothing they can yeah. do, you know, <laughs> like Greg's telling Nick's the, just probably the, sitting there like he's ready to kill somebody. And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, dude. And actually, you, you probably handle it like a normal person, right? Yeah. Like I, at this point, <laughs> I've been through so many things, so many warranty claims with this house that just didn't, you know, like uh, stuff went wrong. Things didn't work. It's like as soon as the kid walked in, I'm like, this isn't getting done. <laughs> so I just like I settled into the disappointment and I was just like, you know, the, the I would I would be drunk by now if I were you. I, I probably would yeah. just started drinking at that point. I, I, I would not yeah. have handled it the way you have. I, I would have headbutt the motherfucker the guy. They just kept going. They kept talking back and forth. I, like for like, I, I was happy to see that our warranty guy was like, "Hey, look, you guys need to call everywhere you can to see if you can get more floor." He was like, "If there's a house that's being built right yeah, now in this section that's using this floor, he's like, take it from that house and use it here." But alas, <laughs> nothing could be done. There could no floor to be oh, found, dude. And uh, that means that you know, the the only bright spot was that they did help me move the stuff back hey, into there the you house go. <laughs> but you got like a free have, two men in a truck rental for a little bit yeah so <laughs> but we still have like we have stuff upstairs we packed away oh my like God. a lot of so first off we have no timeline on when yet yeah on when the floor is going to be in so we don't even have a clue when when it's going to happen and then second they're not going to be able to get the plumbers back out to reinstall all of our appliances until sometime tomorrow that's all i've been told is sometime <laughs> tomorrow they don't even have time yet well so you, that you better get used morning. to shitting outside pal yeah <laughs> so that was my morning uh and then i rolled right out of that into a meeting and i was hoping that I was going to be able to watch the most recent oh episode God. of the Bad Batch before we started, but this whole saga took around two hours. Oh, I'm sorry, and then You're I had me my sweat. meeting. I'm laughing of- so much over here. Yeah. So unfortunately, <sighs> I would have loved to have been there with Vincent because I was I was very excited to see, uh, you know, to, to uh, listen to his stories, being a concept artist and stuff like that. But I will be listening as as the rest of our audience does on our podcast platforms. Yeah, make sure because that. it was. Um, I don't know how well I did. He was very easy. I I'd basically just tee up and he would, he would go on little story runs. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's someone, he, he's, he's my age. So 40, 41. Uh, and at this point through his years and the connections he's, he's made, he's essentially become a part of Matthew Woods team. 
So whatever That's whatever awesome. movies Matthew Wood is working on, he pretty much brings uh, Vincent along with him. So that's that's perfect man i mean like i said I, i'm excited to hear it i i did get to watch the most recent episode of the bad batch Good. so when we roll right. into our recap and review i'll be caught up right. but uh yeah that that was my morning i will say <laughs> I, I i'm gonna call this out too right before we get started this shirt right here this is the uh super scoundrel right. yeah i, I even think scoundrel uh, took the time to tune in today there we go. Because I know you, you weren't on last week to to no. uh, follow up on those who guessed the secret word. Because remember when we did the show, I was on break. Uh, we provided, or I provided a word of the show, kind of like Pee Wee Herman <laughs> used to do. And, and the first one to get it was Klondike. And then Johnny Osage got it. And, and Spencer, I missed it. But I, I was like, dude, your, your reference was too deep. He just sent me a picture of the Masasi Temple. And I'm like, come on, Spencer. I'm not that fucking smart. You just had to say Yavin 4. Uh, but I know Devin is here today. So there, there go. you go. So, that, that comes from the Super Scoundrel Superstore. Yes. The Store Frontier. That's his store. <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a a very comfortable shirt. I'll say it fits well. Like a lot of shirts, like larges. I wear large. Like they range. Like some of them are like fucking dresses on me. And they're just like super, super hey, bro, big. I, but that's this why one, I told you. I mean, you are you're taller than me, but you're still what I'd say a short gentleman. Yeah, just go small or medium for life. I can't just do it. Let let the gut hang out. Who gives a shit? If I could, I could maybe do mediums, but (laughs) smalls can't happen. Like small, you probably would have a little bit of belly popping out of small because you are you you do have a little more height. So yeah. It fits well in the arms and the chest, which is which is what I'm most concerned well, about. I, and it's got, and you've it's seen got like those new that they call them. I don't know if they call them like dad shirts or whatever, but they 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 basically make them real tight around the chest and arms, so you look yeah. strong. But they leave they leave the gut loose, so you can still yeah. kind of have that beer barrel down there if you want to. Yeah, I know. I've been getting advertisements for those shirts all the time. <laughs> But, uh, no, I'm I'm, no, I'm small the way I don't give a shit. The only I have learned I, I need to stop buying small long long sleeves because uh, that just gets really weird looking when you have skin tight like you know long sleeves on your arms and I can't really you know I look like Farley fat guy in a little coat type of deal. <laughs> oh, buddy, nice. all right, I'm having a there good time go. today. This is I'm having a fun show. It's been a while, man. It's this shit. It's been a month since you and I are doing what we're doing right now. I, it, I know, right? It started to feel like the, like the show was, was going away or something. It didn't feel <laughs> right. Like life was kind of off balance a bit, but hey, we're back. Yeah. Nick, Nick's finally here after dealing with that saga and, and, and catching up on the Bad Batch. So let's get right into that episode, Nick. The Bad Batch S1E6 breakdown by the SWTS bros. Uh, spoiler warning for any of you dorks that haven't watched it yet. Um, and speaking of that, like, I don't, I don't know who this person was. I don't know if they listened to the show. I think it was two weeks ago. I posted my, my Friday morning. Hey, the Easter egg video is ready on Instagram. He's like, I wish these star Wars fan pages wouldn't be so quick to post stuff about a new episode. It's like, where's the fucking spoiler pal? Like, yeah, I mean, maybe the graphic, which has a bunch of shitty writing on it. Cause I don't know how to do visual marketing design or anything nice. It, you couldn't even really see. I, I mean, maybe you can be like, well, there's a rancor in the picture. Maybe that was a spoiler. But outside of that, like, what are we talking about? Like, are, are yeah, we that dude, spoiler I, sensitive now where if you even get a mention of the episode's name, you're breaking a rule. Also, it's like, you don't have to watch it. Like, we're just saying like, hey, for those of you out there who have seen it and who want to watch it, it is available and, now. And that's but my if you point. Don't like, watch if it, you're st- don't fucking watch it until you watch the episode. 
<laughs> Everyone knows at this point in time on social media, you're taking your life in your hands if you care about pop culture spoilers. Yeah. I probably will not be able to watch Loki until tomorrow night. I'm still going to go on social media. And if I come across something that's going to fuck it up, guess what? I'm a big boy. It's my fault. It, yeah, it, I have to still choose to read the damn post. That's the other thing. It's like, all right, if you see something that says Bad Batch, keep scrolling. Don't read the fucking text. Anyways, let's get into decommission, Nick. This is the way we do it. We kind of give our thoughts on it as a whole, like a mini review, and then we'll break down the important shit, the eggs, references, and key moments. And, and as I was saying before you came online, my friend, when I was watching this episode, and you know my, my stance on calling Star Wars content filler content. I don't believe in it. I think it's 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 stupid. It's a cheap way to just, you know, just like, ah, my brains don't function. I just need <laughs> pew-pews and guns and all that stuff. And yeah. and please, people, I'm not, not making fun of anyone. That's just how I, I, I look at it. But I, I really was. I was watching this episode going, hmm, the filler haters out there are probably going to have a field day with the, with this one because not only does it seem like filler to me or more of what they're calling filler, but guess who's back? The, the, the fucking Martez sisters who a lot of the toxic fans said were the worst thing to happen in the final season of the Clone Wars. But what were what were little Matt and Nikki telling you about those episodes? Chill the fuck out. Chill the fuck out. Dave had a plan for those. It was initially yep. to allow Ahsoka to learn that, hey, I'm no longer a Jedi, but I still have a strong pull to wanting to help people and do righteousness in the galaxy. So those sisters helped her realize that and then move on to work with Bo-Katan. And now we have found out that she also had an effect on the sisters. They went yep. from essentially hooligans working with crime syndicates to now seemingly working for the early seeds of the rebellion. So that's mm -hmm. why you're never going to hear me bitch about certain episodes that might be slower or you might consider filler because look what has happened. The world building in Clone Wars not only paid off for Ahsoka, but it is now paying off in Bad Batch for the Martez sisters. Therefore, the entire universe has grown due to it. So, yeah. That, I think that what a lot of people need to realize is that they're they're setting up the Bad Batch to be another multi-season. It seems like it. Clone Wars style. Seems like it, especially you the know? sixteen episode run. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think we've seen anything like yeah, it's coming back, but it does seem like this is not going to be a, a one-off. They are. It's yeah. a slow burn, and I am a okay with that. Yeah. So get used to, I mean, like a lot of people will, you know, retroactively look back at the Clone Wars and you'll remember all the big hits. You'll remember all the big arcs, but you won't remember the episodes where the three droids were out in the middle of a desert right. with a little fucking thing or all of the other episodes that seemed at the time like, hey, man, you know, this is, you know, not really important to the overall arc, but you know what? They're telling a story. So there's going to be episodes like that in, in Bad Batch where you're telling a story, you're world building, but you're not necessarily, exactly. you know, it's, it's, right in the middle of the arc. It, it's or, the little know, brush strokes that, that flesh out the entire universe. So when it does end, you, you have that mega payoff. It's like I was saying last week, you know, what if Favreau decided to, to drop Luke in, in in episode two, right? Like no filler, get right yeah. to the fucking the, the surprise moment. It it would not it. We still would have all been crying, right? We've been like, oh, yeah. my God, Luke and R2. <gasps> oh! 
but it would not have had the same impact on the Mandalorian story. The emotions would have been the same between him and Grogu. These trust these people. I mean, all of you have anointed Dave Filoni, the new god of Star Wars, so I don't question. I I, I just kind of let his plan play out. I'm not going to sit there and get angry. Yeah. But anyways. And also, at the end of this episode, I mean, we'll get there, but the end of this episode is setting up something big Fuck that yeah. people are going to fucking love. Fuck so. yeah. All right, let's get to it. They just need to shave that stupid squirrel tail off the younger sister's forehead. Burn bums me out. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't like Trace's uh, hairstyle. That that's fair. Trace's. All right. So, anyways, uh, decommissioned as a whole, Nick. I um, I, again, I'm, I don't use filler, but to me, it was one of the more filler esque episodes because it, it's the first episode I believe where the the Bad Batch kind of continued from where they left off. You know, they're 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 yeah. essentially working for Sid at this point in time. They're Mercs. Uh, it seems like their base of operation is on on Ord Mantell at this point in time. And she sent him out on a task. And, and really what made the episode pay off ultimately was the revelation that they were competing with the Martez sisters. And then learning that the Martez sisters are working for the forces of good. You know, they're going for the same target. And, and I think Rafa's line was was awesome at the end. And again, that was a, a direct call back to her time with Ahsoka. Like, hey... In the end, everyone is going to choose a side because Rafa was very anti. No, fuck them. Fuck the Jedi. Fuck the Republic. I'm for me and my sister. That's it. But now through her experiences with Ahsoka, she is she's open to that. So overall, I, I did enjoy the episode. It, it added to the universe of Bad Batch. We've seen Omega. Now she just keeps growing and growing. First time she actually got into the fray with a weapon. Um, and ultimately, like Nick said, the end and the inclusion of the Martez sisters has now thrust the Bad Batch right into proper Star Wars. They are they are now getting mixed up with the characters that we know make it into Rebels and beyond. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to the end because that obviously was the most uh, uh, exciting part of the episode, guessing who that could be. Uh, I think it's it's one of three characters, probably one character, but we'll, we'll save that for the key moments. So anything else you had on just your, your general thoughts of the of decommission, Nick? Um, I thought it was interesting. They find, I thought it was cool how they went into like what a tactical droid actually did. I know it's like in the weeds and most casual fans don't really care, but to know that like that type of droid would literally like it would lead and it would learn, which is why the droid army was so efficient in battle versus the clones, because you had these specific droid types that were learning while they were on the battlefield and transmitting that information back into, you know, the, the servers or the hive mind that all the droids had. Um, I thought that that was pretty cool. And, and yeah, I mean, it's still good character building. And obviously one of the biggest things that we're going to have to, to keep an eye on throughout this entire first season is wrecker. And he was, yeah, another we, moment that, that finally this. came to a, a tipping point for those of you that may have missed the more subtle clues that his chip has been wonky since episode three. Uh, but in this episode, it, it's, it's coming like literally the words came out of his mouth. Good soldiers. Ah, it, it, it's happening. Yeah. We've told you that for many episodes at this point in time, but, um, what was it? He said something that I wanted to jump on, but because I'm a moron, it has already been <laughs> deleted. Um, no, oh, the, the tactical droid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it shows you that uh, whoever else wanted it 
clearly knows how it can be used against the Empire's clones, just like why the Bad Batch wanted it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. they're expecting it to do the same thing that it used to do when the clones were good guys, to learn their tactics and then immediately come up with a counteroffensive or a counterattack. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's pretty clear who the mystery character is, but we'll, we'll kind of kick those tires when we get there. So let's go over some of the eggs in, in Star Wars references. There's some obvious ones here. Uh, not as many eggs as the last episode. I mean, Sid's office in the last episode was fantastic. We had the proto-fet. We had other clone helmets. I swear that was a mudhorn horn on her desk, and that little square could have been construed as a holocron. You just don't know with a character like Sid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the the first egg, really, or reference, was what Nick was just talking about. That when, when Sid mentioned the tactical droids of the Clone Wars era. Uh, so that was a nice callback and... It was kind of fun, Nick, to see the Bad Batch, probably one of the biggest uh, banes of the droid army, actually teaming up with the droids at one point in time in this episode. Yeah, that uh, was that was really fun. I, I like that it's moment. Like, I mean, obviously, it, and I, this will come up in our fan question of the week responses. But the the comedic moment w- with is there an echo in here mm-hmm. could have been one of the funniest little scenes in all of star Wars. I'm talking like that was just a brilliant gag. Is there an echo in here? Why? Yes. And he, he comes over like so seriously. He's like, yes, I'm echo. It's, it's just like, I, I, I fucking loved it. I mean, it's, it's silly, but there was a lot of fans that picked up on that, that humor because it was just like, it was during such a tense moment. And then to get that levity from a clone like Echo, who is kind of almost more machine than man, he is kind of robotic. It, yeah. it was, it was a, a great little moment, but I digress up next. Um, the old stealth mode ship stick maneuver reared its head again in star Wars. I mean, uh, the, the, the in terms of our chronology, the first person we saw do this was Han Solo. In terms yep. of Star Wars chronology, you could argue it was Mr. Hello there himself when he was trying to elude the Fets and stuck himself to an asteroid. Uh, yep. Clearly, maybe this is in the clone programming, but they also learned that if you stick yourself to the underside of a ship, you can avoid detection. So I think that uh, even during the episode, one of them mentioned it. I think uh, like tech was like, oh, we're going to go in the old it, like the stealth way. Yeah. And somebody says like one of the other clones says to him like, oh, this old trick from Clone Wars. I, days I think you're yeah. like it always works. I think you're spot so, on. So, again, they yeah. they they know what we're they know what we know, Nick. They they know what they're yeah. doing. I uh, I mean, yeah, they're they're eggs and references. We, we got to see B1s and B2s for the first time in in Bad Batch. But I think. Um, I, I'll save that for the key moments. I, I I liked seeing what was going on on Corellia. I'll leave it at that and I'll expand upon it here in a little bit. Yep. Uh, obviously the big reference here, Raff and Trace. I, um, when I saw those other people, Nick, I'm like, who the hell could these people be? It's probably just going to be some one-offs, no big deal. Just someone to kind of screw the batches plan. But no, they they decided to bring in what I would consider at this point in time to be main characters in the animated universe of Star Wars. And I, I, I really thought it was brilliant, even though people didn't quite appreciate their threat in the Clone Wars. Uh, I loved the, the callback scene him here. And then obviously uh, watching the episode play out and, and learning about the type of people Rafa and Trace are now, which technically probably is only a few months 
we don't know how much time now has passed since they've left Camino. Uh, but it's probably a, a few months, maybe six months at the most, past when they would have been chilling with Ahsoka, really. Yeah, I can't imagine it's more than... Actually, I can't imagine it's more than like four months. Right. Because you got to figure that, you know, when she when they met Ahsoka was right before Ahsoka was commissioned to go to... The Siege of Mandalore. Ma- yeah, Mandalore. And then that... That was I it. Mean, like literally, that was like a day. Yeah. And then bang, you're right at the end of the Clone Wars and everything's going down with Order 66. So, I mean maybe three four months yeah so it's this is pretty quick and i think that you know you mentioned that ahsoka had a really big impact on these two and you can see it that quick turnaround from like basically just doing whatever they need to do with crime especially especially rafa i mean rafa fucking hated ahsoka's guts trace kind of took to her early on and, and and felt bad for a bit and you could tell trace was the the yin of the yang right she mm-hmm. was the 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 white portion of that dynamic. She was yeah. the kind of the the more calm, peaceful the type. Head. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I I I thought this was a brilliant move, and you would have to uh, expect at this point in time that this was planned all along. You know, Filoni and his team have have probably had this plan since they uh, massaged that final season of the Clone Wars and decided to include the Bad Batch early on, and then kick off their own series. So. Uh, they continue to kick ass in Star Wars storytelling, in my opinion. Yeah. And then uh, one of the last eggs references we had, uh, which makes perfect sense and also kind of fills in some gaps that we can fill in here. But they have R7 and R7 yes. is Ahsoka's droid. Last time we saw R7, he was kind of in pieces. Uh, so this implies that from... The end of the Clone Wars where we saw Ahsoka and Rex kind of crash land on that Star Destroyer, bury their friends, and then probably left on that BTL that that they jacked. Ahsoka had rebuilt the droid or had it rebuilt, and she has dumped it off with the Martez sisters. So, yeah. so clearly the Martez sisters have linked up with at least Ahsoka and probably Rex one of my candidates for the mystery figure at this point in time. And they are working with them for them for the greater cause here. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that the person's going to end up being Ahsoka. Cause like you said, all of the parallels between those two characters, even, you know, now adding in R seven, I think they're more than likely talking to her. And then also well, it would be, I'll, I'll, mm. I've got some things here. Cause I know you're not, not like me. You don't turn on the, the, <laughs> the closed captioning, but Rafa clearly says I'll patch him through. Um, okay. so you would think if they knew it was Ahsoka, uh, let's save it for, cause I, I've got ideas. Let, let's yeah. save it. So last thing here on the eggs with R seven, they are also in the silver angel for those of you. That is the the Martez sister ship. I believe Trace is the one that named it because she is the pilot. All right, so um, key moments here. And and I touched on this earlier, but it's pretty clear now. And and I I guess I didn't see this coming. I thought the batch would always be bobbing and weaving, moving. But it seems like they've kind of settled in and and they're working for Sid. Like she said, she's going to watch their backs because she's heavily involved in the the under the the, the shady side of the galaxy, uh, yeah. while they kind of do little jobs for her. But y- y- you gotta wonder, Nick, while this relationship is is seemingly working out for both sides right now, knowing who Sid is and knowing what she deals in, is there any chance that she doesn't sell them out at some point in time? 
Oh no. Like that's coming down the road. And and she's still under the impression that Fennec Sean Shand, as she said it, I don't know. I guess that's right. Fennec Shand is after them, not Omega. I feel like after she finds out, or if she does find out that the target is not them and it's the girl, yeah, that, then that's going to flip. That's a good call. That's a head. good call. I think you're right. Cause it's not like they ever said, Oh yeah, they're coming to get just her, which would have been yeah. kind of a dumb, dumb tell to give someone like Sid. So I think you're spot on. Uh, but like I said, this is the first time in the show where they kind of stayed still and they weren't popping I off think- to their next location. So yeah. do, do you think now that they just kind of stay there until she sells them out or, or, or could we see things shifting here this week on, on in episode seven? I mean, with Ord Mantel, the good thing is that it's like a, it's like a syndicate world. It's a crime syndicate. Yeah. World. Like a Narshada. And- it's, it's yeah. Gotcha. It's not something that the Empire is going to dabble heavily in. They're probably going to leave Ord Mantell to the to the underworld rats and the in the crime syndicates. So in terms of a place for them to hide out safely from the Empire, it's probably not a bad idea um, in terms of their safety overall long term. Like you were like we were just talking about, probably not the best place to be, because eventually the scum and villainy is going to come for you. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah I mean, come on. Know. I mean, Sid, she she can only use them for so long before she wants the big payday, which will probably be what, in my opinion, the 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 Kaminoans are offering. Because I think the Kaminoans are the one that hired Fennec, uh, not not the Empire. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I know you weren't here, so I was kind of just doing my theory crafting last week, and I do believe. Now that we know that Fennec was a bounty hunter, but not commissioned through the guild to do this job, she was directly commissioned. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure that was Lama Su, Nala Se, one of those people. Yeah. I mean, you know that they have the ability to reach out to bounty hunters directly. That's what they right. did with uh, Django Fett, so it wouldn't be a surprise. And I, and- I still contend that Sid's bounty hunter guild contact is grief cardboard. I think that you're going to get a lot of that. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of these crossovers, these weaving in and outs of characters that we've now seen either in future canon series right. like, you know, down. The I road just want an animated or- cardboard, period. Like I, I, I love grief. <laughs> I, I would love if if um, Carl would do the voice. Uh, yeah, I just think it'd be great, but I, I'm sticking with it. All right. So next key moment here. Uh, th- this smelting factory on Corellia, I, I appreciate it because a, it had a very similar look to the droid factory on Genosis. Yep. B, it, it showed us once and for all what the Empire did with all the fucking droids. They sent them yep. to one of the galaxy's most well-known shipbuilding planets, melted them down, and you'd have to assume that, that, that this melted iron, steel, whatever, is going right into making Star Destroyers. Tie oh, yeah, fighters, 100%. like the it, it's it's war machine material. Yeah, it it's fueling their their war machine, their war efforts, and and everything like that. I mean, you would figure that they could have they could have tried to repurpose them for battle purposes, right. but also you put yourself at risk for them being tampered with. And being clearly, hacked, being Tarkin Tarkin wants nothing to do with anything that is robotic or programmed, right? Or grown. Yes. He He's definitely moving forward with whatever that, that project's called, War something. War Mantle. Yeah, War Mantle, right? which is going to be the dummies that can't shoot straight program. So, you know, he made the wrong <laughs> yeah. choice after all. But yeah, they don't... The Empire is not into things that could potentially have their own free will at some point in time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... 
it's not yeah he he was never going to accept droids into the into their army and i mean honestly like we were saying the metal is more important to yeah. them than the actual cuz i mean they uh, yeah think how big the empire becomes how big their their fleet becomes i mean shit look what look what homeboy in his black robe was doing on exegol he essentially built his own galactic galactic sized fleet uh, we we learned through the Mandalorian season two that Thrawn had a contact that would go to worlds and help him harvest resources for the fleet. Um, so this probably just helped them get started. And then eventually that's why they start going to new worlds, taking them over and harvesting their resources to keep the machine going. Uh, but I did yeah. kind of like to get kind of a a little bit of finale on on the B1s and B2s. And, and now we know why there were hardly any left. Uh, come the original trilogy era and beyond. I mean, the, the Empire just fucking melted them all down and, and reused the materials. Uh, those of you in the chat, yes, 16 total episodes for Bad Batch Season 1. Take it to the bank. That is confirmed. Uh, all right. Uh, Nick touched on this earlier. I'm just going to say it again. I've been saying it since Episode 3 where they crashed on that moon, and he goes, ow, my head hurts right where the chip was. Well, it, it, it's there. Uh, it, it's only a matter of time. There's a good chance that this may happen next episode if they are going to meet Rex. I have a feeling that this could rear its ugly head after they meet Rex, which is going to help hopefully him be like, oh, yeah, you just fucking take it out. They did it to me. Get that damn thing out. Who knows? But Wrecker's chip and its programming is almost pushed through whatever Lenny of Mice and Men slowness he has had to dull it down. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to if he keeps banging his head, yeah. it's definitely and it seems cause. like any type of stressful moment, like he doesn't like heights and he had to do that, you know, kind of swing himself over. It seems when he ever gets worked up or ding that it it starts to activate and it it got so far as to good soldiers. Ah! I mean, he he almost crosshaired there, so keep an eye on yeah. on good good man wrecker i still think he will pay the iron price for this malfunction sadly um but i, I do think the batch is going to have to lose a member or two to to really add some emotional weight to them and the story overall it yeah it's very possible all right so I have a, a picture of rafa up and it is after she delivered that great line like you know what hunter you may not you may not know what to do now because you're a soldier. You don't really know how to operate in this new environment. But like me, everyone is going to pick a side in the end. And, and clearly it looks like they picked the side of good. Um, I mean, they, they, they say as much. They're like, hey, give us the droid because they're going to use it to stop this fucking empire. Like they already know the empire's bad news. So uh, like I said, there's a good chance. Well, there's a 100% chance the sisters have been in contact with Ahsoka Tano. That's just straight up. They have her fucking droid, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. They're, they're, you got to at least put that out there. So let's go ahead and get to the mystery character. Mm -hmm. I've come up with a new potential. All right. So I'll, I'll lay down the three I kind of put into my video that are getting less and less views, which is, I don't know. I don't know if it's a sign of, of the Bad Batch or what. Um, the voice in his head was crosshair also. Okay. Ahsoka will trigger him. Yeah, bat that that's, that's a good chance. I mean, it, it would have to be, we still don't really know. That's the interesting thing. 
like does the chip and the order allow them to sense force users somehow i don't know how that would work i mean it made sense when they were in the line you know they're on the battlefield with their jedi generals obviously they know kill all the jedi all right there's a fucking jedi shoot but I, I'm, I don't. How would a clone at this point know? Would unless I guess they use the force in front of them or whip out their lightsabers, right? I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that they would ever like they can sense it because in Fallen Order, like Cal Kestis is right there working right next to stormtroopers, and they don't know he's a Jedi until he uses his powers. Yeah, so, but so but like, that, that's a good point. It's, it's got to be based off of like sight, like seeing a Jedi or something. All right. So here, here are my, my three guesses. And I, I do want to put it out there. Rafa specifically says, I will patch him through. Yeah. So if you keep that in the back of your mind, Ahsoka is, is a hard pick unless she has, for some reason, even with the sisters who have her droid decided to already assume the mantle of Fulcrum. I, I don't think that's likely. So no, yeah. I, I don't I do not think it's Ahsoka, although I think Ahsoka is directly working with this mystery figure. So the next guess is Captain Rex. All right. Okay. Clearly, he would know what the fuck's going on. We already know through episode two that he's going through the galaxy, checking in on planets where he knew, you know, old clones were at. He went and visited Cut to let him know what's happening. Rex is going around the galaxy, either trying to round up other rogue clones or trying to figure out ways to stop this new empire. So someone that would enlist the Martez sisters to get a tactical droid, which Rex would clearly know the power and the use of a tactical droid. So a mission like that coming from him makes complete sense. Yep. Um, but they, they, they got a little cute and I think they're trying to throw us off. Oh, it's probably not a clone when, when she's like, Hey, I've got some information on some rogue clones for you trying to make it seem like maybe she's selling them out but that could also be hey rex i know you're a clone and i know you're looking for rogue clones guess what i found some rogue clones and number three and this one it looks like drew originals threw this out there bail organa all right so bail we know was already getting involved with the rebellion even during revenge of the sith it's cut scene like he, he meets with Mon Mothma, Padme. It's essentially the, the beginning of the rebellious senators and their planets. Yep. Um, he would definitely be someone that Ahsoka would probably look for at the end of the war to see if he's still alive. Because she knew that he knew that what Palpatine was up to probably wasn't on the up and up. Uh, and, and Bale would definitely be someone that, that the, you know, the Martez sisters or other of these small rebel cells or early rebel cells would be working for to try to figure out ways to quickly curb this uh, imperial threat. Yes. Um, we're getting a uh, Saul Guerrera from the chat, Drew Originals. I, I was actually going to throw that out there as well, just as a, another potential um, the Martez sisters are used to dealing with kind of shady characters during their time with, you know, working with crime syndicates and stuff like that. So, uh, saw is another one of those ones where she, they could literally be saying, we found some rogue clones and she's saying it more in like a, Hey, we found some, <laughs> some rogue clones. If you want to come deal right. with them kind of way. Um, I think that that's like a, 
it's a less likely scenario, but it's still out there. He's already been introduced. Th- that's into the I guess that's kind of my counterpoint. There is, and I'm not saying we're we're never going to see Saw again because he has a lot of potential for this series. As a lot of you in the chat are saying, I mean, maybe we see him get a little too radical. Maybe he reacts to what Crosshair did in was that episode four, where he literally just came and, and murdered all those Onderonians yeah. or whatever they were called. And you know what's funny, Nick? I just hit the Onderon episodes in the Clone Wars. They're early season five. And, okay. and I shit you not, a lot of those people that were wearing kind of the 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 armor were in the Clone Wars. So these were the same freedom fighters that Saul was training with, with the Jedi, you know, Skywalker, Kenobi, Ahsoka, and Rex, that ultimately Crosshair and his goons wiped out when Saul was, you know, he was away from that location on the planet where Tarkin kind of sent uh, the the new recruits to get tested on. Uh, so yeah. they even carried those characters in through the Bad Batch, which is just brilliant stuff. But I, I do, I feel like Saul, they, they've kind of used them. He's already met the Bad Batch. Uh, he, I'm not saying he's never going to pop up again because I think there's a, there's a ton of potential to kind of see his version of the rebellion playing out. And hell, he was still in contact with the other rebel cells all the way through Star Wars Rebels. It really was yeah. Star Wars Rebels where they're like, okay, that's it. Like, dude's fucking basically <laughs> yeah, he's off the reservation. doing IED bombs. Like, he, I mean, he was doing some real guerrilla shit on Jeddah at that point in time so and and kind of the cloak there that has some bail organa vibes on the on the cloak right there's like a you can tell there's mm-hmm. almost like a sash or fabric that's going over it you could argue is that a jedi hood i highly doubt it i mean what what, what yeah, fucking jedi is wearing their robes at this point in time yeah uh, i mean unless it's kenobi which is highly no, highly unlikely no way i just yeah. there's I, I do not believe this guy, especially at this key moment where he is basically fresh on Tatooine, dropping off the baby, is going to be getting mixed up in the rebellion. Yeah, uh, probably. I mean, he doesn't get mixed up in the rebellion until Luke, R2, and C-3PO show up. So Yeah, as far as we know, I mean, maybe the Kenobi series will, will show us differently. But yeah, as far as we know, he, he kind of stays out of stuff. So what, what's your take? Did I hit on who you thought it might be or no? I mean, I think it's I think it's likely Bale. Um, he's probably the one that would get. I don't know, like it, it's hard to see, like who would they respect the most is kind of the way that I'm trying to, to look at this, like who would the Martez sisters work with? And like, yes, I mean, ultimately, they're all a part of the, the rebel superstructure. But I think that they would probably work best with either Ahsoka or Rex and not bail because bail is kind of like he's bail is everything that they hated like if you think about them no, when I, they were, I, I was gonna know, say four. that you're you're going right down the same alley i was gonna bring up here it's yeah i really think it's rex i, I fuck I, i'll I just let, so let's too. just i'm gonna put it out there I'm, I'm a big boy take it to the bank i think that was rex and, and nick is right you just have to think with how close ahsoka and rex are at the end of the clone wars and, and knowing the type of people they are and knowing where they end up by rebels and beyond, they clearly were going to get mixed up in the fight from the get go. I mean, probably the moment they left that funeral, they were making plans like, what the fuck do we do now? We got to try to find this person. We got to try to get this contact. We got to try to get some of this and some of that, some of this, some of that, some of this. 
So yeah. naturally, you would think, especially because the sisters are in possession of Ahsoka's droid, which her and Rex had in pieces at the end of the Clone Wars, that Ahsoka probably linked up with the sisters, introduced them to Rex, explained the situation, what happened with Order 66, what happened with the clones, what happened with the Jedi. And they were like, yeah, Ahsoka, for you, we're down. We will become these freedom fighters with you. Let introduce us to the uh, the, the the grander plan. So I, I'm with you. I, I think that the him is probably going to be Rex. Yeah, I think so, too. It just makes the most sense. Uh, and for you, uh, those in the chat, Cassian would be way too young at this point in time. Yeah, no, Cassian is still at this point, like Cassian would be like a new rebellion soldier. He would probably I mean, he's, actually be around the same age as the older Martez sister. Probably. Because I mean, it, you get to, well, maybe a little bit older because you get to, to rogue. Well, one, how old which do you think he is in rogue one in his thirties? Late twenties. Yeah, I would say his early thirties, right. if any, at the oldest, because, but then you also have to realize that rogue one is, is literally probably still 18 years that, out that's from what i where mean so I mean, he, he could be in between 10 and 15 years old maybe even yeah, that he's young still young so he and he wouldn't even if he did join the rebellion at age 10 and he's 15 now he still wouldn't be in a position yeah, to where no, he would I, be a contact for somebody i, did, like I mean Christmas. i i think rex or bail are most likely bail but i think nick made a, a perfect point about bail and in the martez sisters but who knows i mean they, they they've clearly drawn the line in the sand we are for the forces of good if bail is the leader at that point in time they probably would take orders from him but more than likely through their friendship and connection with ahsoka their possession of her droid they they probably directly work with her or Rex on these type of missions. And maybe Rex or Ahsoka reports up the chain uh, to whoever is kind of controlling the early parts of the rebellion at this point in time. Yeah, uh, it's it, it'll be interesting because I think that no matter who it is, it's going to have a big impact on the story that's being told. And, and also that will give you your next stopping point for the Bad Batch. You're going to go from Sid to whoever this is now as their main Hopefully, yeah, a lot of uh, you know, we have a lot of toy collectors that listen to us, and they're like, "Yo, I'd, I'd take a Rex in, in street clothes or with a cloak on." Yeah. It's like, damn straight you would, and uh, I'm sure Hasbro had that idea too. And they're like, "Hey guys, can you maybe do this mystery scene for us so we can squeeze some more dollars out of these suckers?" Because uh, they just re-released his Black Series figure, which a lot of people have been clamoring for. Um, yeah, so Cassian probably a little too young. I'm, I'm saying. 10 or younger yeah. maybe even um but yeah so take it to the bank uh, star wars time show we're, we're we're saying it's rex there there's a lot of indicators that point to that way which means it's probably not going to happen uh so we'll probably bat 1000 like we usually do on <laughs> on bad speculative takes but sometimes you just got to do it right you got you, you got to put it out there that way you can do the chest beating warrior cries when you actually hit um, yeah. Rex or Bale, but I'm, I'm like I said, Rex for sure. That's my, that's my take. Let, you know what? Let's hedge the bet. Can we hedge the bet? I'll, yeah, I'll take Rex. You take Bale, and that's whoever's and right, we, we'll just say right. we were right. Yeah, we're right whenever, and then it'll end up being Saw, and we're both wrong. <laughs> All right, good. Well, yeah. Now, now we now we definitely fucked our prediction, but yeah. we we've got it covered. Rex or Bale, Star Wars time show. Take it to the bank. Post it on Reddit. We know it. Our sources have said it. 
let's get those links in there. More comments on the main dude. All right, so that is uh, the Bad Batch breakdown. Um, yeah, Tones is like, you know, I, I am liking the slower pace. It just wishes for longer episodes. And while I will not disagree, but for some idiot like me who has to or doesn't have to, but feels compelled to make videos, I'm digging these little 20 minute joints because I can get my my little Friday routine done in about two hours now. So I'm basically done with all my uh, Star Wars nonsense work that no one uh, will view by the time everyone wakes up in the house. So I I've been nice in the, the, uh, the, the little episodes. All right. Loser shaves her head. Well, Nick already shaves his head and I'm, I'm going to hold out my fake bald head look for as long as I can until I get like a very clear patch in the back. I'm going to keep buzzing. Yeah, no, dude, I'm, 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 I've been shaving my head now for three plus years. I don't regret it. It's like I as soon as I had the little like the littlest hint of like hair's going, you're getting thin up here. I was like being how often do you have to do it, though, that because that's my bit. I fuck it like, dude, my face. Clearly, I don't like to shave under my neck gets once a week. That's it. Even when I am working professionally, like when I used to, you know, go and teach in a classroom, I still would only shave once a week. That was it. That's it. Yeah, I I usually do the, the buzz once a week. Um, I mean, it depends on what you're using. Cause like I use, uh, like an electric razor. And if I'm like, if I'm going down to the skin, like this one, I did a couple of days ago, I use like my beard trimmer and I just take the, the guard off and I use that. Yeah, yeah. But then I also have like the Norelco like neck shaver and I can use that on my head and then I'm down to the skin. So you, okay. So, so you, don't, but you don't just, you don't get the cream out and do a straight bick to the head. Mm. No, no. You know no, what? I, as, I, as we're talking about all this grooming, Nick, I would like to remind everyone that support yeah. for the star Wars time show is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, which Nick and I have. We have used. You saw Nick's little video. I thought it was fun. You never know what he's going to do when he opens up those pant drawers. But I think we got the idea. So, yeah, you heard that right. The 4.0 is now available. So join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, our fans of the Star Wars Time Show. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping if you use the code SWTS at checkout. All right. So like we've been saying and you know we've had these for a few weeks now i've uh, i've used mine extensively I, nick are you are you a trimmer guard type of guy or you do or do you go guardless when you're working over your your family jewels with the lawnmower 4.0 i so the first time i did it i did it with a guard um but then after after that trim i took the guard off and i went guardless and honestly like it depends on what your styling is for downstairs hairdos. Got you. Like I, I like to keep. Do you like a landing strip? Do you like shave I, little pictures into it? I like it just it? like the upstairs. <laughs> I like it just like the upstairs. So like sandpaper. I'm, I, yeah, I'm going down <laughs> as far as I can go. So uh, I go guardless. And honestly, it's been a very nice experience. You know, uh, I, I feel safe. I feel comfortable. Yeah, because it's got that I, ceramic 
clipper, right? Like, you know, the, the yeah. top of it's metal, but the, the moving part's ceramic, unlike most shavers where, you know, sometimes you can get down there and you might catch a little bit of your scrotum and that doesn't feel so great. But I haven't had that happen with the lawnmower 4.0. I, I have, I've been using the trimmer guards, which allow you to go yeah. from size one to four. Because you know, sometimes I like a little bit of a a little bit of a carpet down there, right? I don't I don't yeah, want to look know. too too little boyish. Because I'll I'll tell you what, <laughs> if it weren't for the bald head, when I shave my face, even at almost forty one, I still look like a little kid. You know, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a short guy. I've gotten skinnier, but if I if I shave the beard and and I don't have a bald head. I still look a little young, so I don't want just a, you know, that 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 baldness down there with the family jewels. Um, plus, with the lawnmower 4.0, Nick, I don't know if you tried to do it in the dark, but it has a 4,000K LED spotlight, which, you know, you might go, well, what the hell do I need that for in a trimmer? Well, I'll tell you what, it actually does come in handy, especially when you're down there, you know, peeling back the bat wings, scooping <laughs> out that stuff in between your legs. It does give you a, a nice, clear view of what's yeah. happening. Plus, it's got that multi-function on-off switch. It actually works quite well when you're traveling because it has a, a travel lock that you can kind of toggle with a certain amount of button presses. Yeah. And I don't know about you, yeah. dude, but the wireless charging is cooler than I thought it would be for a, a man grooming tool. Because uh, not only can you use it with the dock that they send you, but you could throw it on your 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 phone charge or whatever. It works with any wireless yep. charger or most. Um, so you know what? It, it very convenient. it's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped. What are you all waiting for? You got to make me time the best time. And they're not they're not bullshitting around. I can't tell you how much fun it is to get in there and kind of groom things. I think I need to work on my pits again because they're starting to sweat a lot. I like to, to kind of shave my pits out over the summer. Uh, and I'll, I'll use my lawnmower 4.0. So don't forget, you can get 20% off plus free shipping if you use the code SWTS at manscaped.com at checkout. Let me, I'll yep. even go ahead and throw up the, the uh, graphic here on the video so you can see it. We'll have the code running for the rest of the show. Yes, this is an ad, YouTube. Don't yell at us, all right? Oh, no. Um, so YouTube. just please, don't forget, get 20% off and free shipping with the code SWTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use SWTS. Unlock yeah. your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And thank you to those who have taken advantage of our code. We've seen some of the images in our Discord. I know some friends of mine personally have uh, taken advantage of the offer. So we appreciate all of you. This this very well could be uh, the last ad read. We don't know, but we are we are in the last week of our promo period. So wish us luck. But again, don't, yeah. don't forget, use SWTS at Manscaped.com on anything. Uh, the boxers. I know Tone's got some boxers. I got the boxers. Nick's got, they're actually great fucking boxers. No bullshit. They're really comfortable. No bullshit. Yeah. I would tell you if it was bullshit, they're, they're super comfortable. It's like that spandex cottony type of stuff so it's yeah i know it's it's stretchy and breathable boxes, you know they're, they're nice and breathable yeah. they don't feel too tight but they definitely keep it especially if you've got a large unit they keep it nice and and steady yeah. down there so i also tested out i got some of their body wash as well because they just have like a regular shower like shower gel body wash and it's it like it smells really good like it's 
it smells so good that like usually if you're if you're going out somewhere nice you'll like spritz on some cologne like it smells better than most colognes that i've used so it's like you, you wash yourself of smells because i don't do that either but i have this it's a chewbacca toiletries bag <laughs> and it came with Chewbacca, you know, hair goo, which I don't need Chewbacca body yeah. soap, but there's a Chewbacca body spray. And I shit you not, it's probably the best smelling body spray I've ever had. But where the <laughs> fuck do you find Chewbacca body spray? Yeah, I know. It's like, can you Google I'd that? Say like, yeah. Once it runs out, I'm, I'm fucked. Yeah, uh, that you have to use it sparingly. <laughs> but like I said, use the use the Manscaped body wash because it'll give you that smell that you're looking for without it, having. It's funny they um. I'm reading the chat right here, and and we actually did not have that plan. So Bat, you you did tee yeah, that up. You teed it up. We're just uh, you know we're good like that. We saw the transition <laughs> coming. I was like, you know what? We're sitting here talking about shaving. This is the time I should probably drop in the read. But anyways, let, let's get back to Star Wars. Yeah. All right. So um, I, I put this out today and, and really it's a lot of no dot type of shit, but it, it was kind of a slow week. So why not? We got some Book of Boba Fett news here. And, and this is one of those sites that pops up on Reddit and you just have to be like, oh, OK, yeah. LRM online. You bet. Just like people probably say when they see Star Wars time dot net. Star Wars. Time. Yeah. What? But it's the same thing. So LRM online, they're like, hey, our sources have, have confirmed boss is going to be in Book of Boba. And I think for any fan worth their salt are going. Um, yeah. Well, well, no shit. <laughs> I mean, Bosk in particular makes the most sense out of any of the OT bounty hunters, especially if you consider the young Boba and Boss threads in the Clone Wars. I mean, Bosk yes. essentially becomes his muscle, his caretaker, his protector. I mean, they are they are on a team, and Bosk looks out for him almost like he's his son. Um, yeah. You know, obviously when they grow up. And I'm going to talk about this once I get in the war of the bounty hunters, but it seems everyone kind of hates Boba Fett at that point in time. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe their relationship sours, but even then that's a great opportunity for Book of Boba if they're not, uh, you know, going to do a flashback. So uh, the rumor of Boss showing up in Book of Boba, while it, it maybe come from a site that it's like, OK, maybe, maybe not. I, I think there it would be a um, I would not be shocked to see this Transdotion show up in that series. No, totally agree. I mean, like you said, the, the the biggest one outside, like, you know, now with the War of the Bounty Hunters, stuff like that, people don't really read the comics, but he's in there. But the biggest one was the Clone Wars stuff. Like you mentioned, like the, the relationship that was built there uh, between Bosk and between Boba. I mean, if we're if we're assuming that this show is going to be flashback, is going to incorporate flashbacks, be a little bit of past, a little bit of the present, then you could see a lot of interactions between these two characters, even around the same time as this, as the ESB timeline. You know, you could you could show a little bit of the competition, like you know, you could see the moment right after they leave this fucking star destroyer where they're talking to Vader right. and they're all bullshit yeah, like oh I'm gonna yeah, get I'm Boba gonna, Fett I'm like rips a, an important piece out of the hound's tooth so boss can't fly away right away yeah, <laughs> you know, you shit know. like that it would not surprise me because if you if you if you're going to treat this show as marquee moments from Boba Fett's life like this is the main one this the scene that's in this image here on this on uh Star Wars oh, yeah, time yeah. I, I would love to see a flash you, you you've hit on something there I mean how great obviously they owe us the flashback of how he gets out of the pit 
Yeah. But like what Nick is spitballing there, where you just kind of see the bounty hunters talk to each other after Vader gives them his their marching orders to find Solo. Yeah, that that would be excellent too. I mean, I I I do believe Book of Boba is going to be set predominantly in that Mando present. Yeah. Um, but I I hope we get a few flashbacks. I mean, they owe us the one. I I, I will die on that sword. You have to. Even if it's Cobb Vant fucking montage style, you have to show how he got out, loses the armor, so on and so forth. I mean, yeah. at this point, you could even argue they, they may need to dedicate the whole first episode to how he goes from the Sarlacc pit to Fennec Shan's body, right? In, in yeah. season one. Um, I mean, there's a lot of potential for the, you know, what can be done in that series. I think flashbacks could be really fucking cool, man, but who knows? I mean, um, and there's still the rumor. We don't know if this is a confirmed casting. We don't know. There was the rumor about Jordan Bulger being casted in. Right, and then it's like, uh, oh, maybe it was actually for Mando season three. Yeah, maybe it's Mando. Who knows? I mean, if that turns out to be a casting for for Book of Boba and he's playing young Boba, I mean, that would be be great. Yeah, so I I, am... Bosch showing up would not surprise me at all. I know we're getting some people in here. Cad Bane, Cad Bane, 100%. Uh, Cad Bane would be huge, especially mm-hmm. if, you know, maybe the Bad Batch will, will fill fun. that gap in or finally pay off on that story. But those in the know, at one point in time, there was going to be a canon Clone Wars episode where it showed how Boba Fett not only gets the ding in his helmet, but what happens with Cad Bane and kind of how Boba builds his legend because he... He takes them out in a duel. I mean, they, they have a straight yeah. up old school duel and, you know, without his helmet, Cad probably wins. But for some reason, Cad agreed to do a duel with someone wearing Beskar armor. So I guess he deserves to die anyways. But yeah, he, he felt like he's like, I can hit him right in the neck. Right I can hit him the- right in the neck. Like he's got that like that modulated <laughs> voice. Man, every time we talk about this stuff, I just start flashing back to some of the Clone Wars I watched. And, you know, I end the season four, you get the mall, like the return of mall. And I forgot, like, how fucking cracked out he is. And even Savage (laughs) is like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Um, But, yeah, it's all great stuff. And they I think they kill they kill Adi Gallia in the Clone Wars before she dies in Revenge of the Sith. Right. Because wasn't Adi the one that you kind of just see her getting blown up on a speeder or have they, am I getting my my random Jedi crossed? That might have been Luminara. That's definitely not Luminara. I, not, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, either I way, can't. I'm I'm pretty sure even the the Clone Wars kind of retcons some of <laughs> Order sixty six. Yeah. But ah, uh, damn. Anyways, all right. It's so weird too because you got so many Jedi that you could have put up there. Why would you kill the same one twice? Yeah, because it, it <laughs> like, had, just pick somebody else. This is the way it goes. And I kind of fucked up the chronological watch because I believe it's the last two or three episodes of season four kick off the big mall thread. No, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's just the last two. Savage finds him, brings him back to mother. She kind of fixes him, puts us, you know, basically sucks the insanity out of his head and reminds him of, of why he's so angry and what he can do. Uh, and gives him his legs, all that fun stuff. The next episode 
they just go to a planet and I believe they just start fucking killing people to draw out Kenobi. It's fucking great. Like you gotta love Maul and Savage. Yeah. And Kenobi shows up, but guess who else is a bounty hunter at this point in time and also senses a resurgence of Savage's aura. So Asajj goes Asajj. after him. Yep. So you had this episode, you have two former enemies in Ventress and Kenobi pretty much Fighting have to together. team up and yep. if they didn't team up they both would have got killed by these two because then they leave and then here's why i fucked up the first episode of season five picks up with another mall and savage thread it's the one where they they essentially try to take hondo's pirates for their own but that's okay. the one where kenobi shows up with i think adigalia and she gets fucking wasted by savage and in, in one to one combat so uh, but <laughs> I, I fucked up that is like the one episode of season five that's out of order 501 you should watch after like 512 or something like that but anyways um so yeah bosk won't surprise me you know we laughed at they're like well we we know or we've heard that din dejarn will be in the book it's like no fucking shit like yeah it's literally my, my little girl could have called that out and i don't even think she likes star wars anymore um, <laughs> but any of the old bounty hunters you can almost bank on even maybe a cameo an easter egg type of deal maybe Forlom's head will be sitting in in boba's new palace something like that but just just wait till i get to the war of the bounty hunters like holy fuck i hate reading <laughs> And I've, I'm at this point, Nick, I'm buying every crossover issue now, too. That's how Damn. that's how well they've set this up. But we'll get there. The other little deal on the Book of Boba before we move on to some Mando news is it's confirmed via Ming-Na, who was on a 501st Legion live stream. They're doing some charity drive because they have fans and people would actually watch it and they could do that shit. We can't. Uh, but she confirms that they the uh, Book of Boba principles over. Um, I don't really think that's huge news. We, we and the other one I'm going to talk about. Let's just get into it because the, the the Mando article, Nick. This is another one. It's like you can tell it's a, it's slow in Star Wars newsdom. Yeah, because you know they, they ran this tweet like, oh, you and McGregor was talking to Pedro and Variety's actors on actors, and and Pedro confirmed that they haven't even started shooting Mando season three yet. And people are like, we, oh my god, oh my god. I'm like, didn't you? Dude, we knew that. Didn't, didn't you guys listen to what John Favreau said in December of 2021? Like it's on our site and we talked about it. He literally said, literally said, we are doing the book of Boba, which is almost ready for principal Mando season three is not even really to pre-production yet. All right. Yeah. So of course they're not shooting the Mandalorian. I, I don't, it's like people just forget this shit. Dude, they're shoot. They, they're shooting three others. They were shooting three other series right. concurrently. They were shooting Book of Boba. They're shooting Andor and, and they're shooting Kenobi. Like they, I don't even know if they have a, enough production crew to have shot Mando at the same time. Well, it's, but Favreau laid down the plan. Yeah, Th this is told this them. is not a surprise. Mando season three at earliest, and I still think it's going to hit. It's going to be the fall 2022 release. Yeah. Plain and simple. I bet they 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 start uh, principal later this year, hit pre early in 2022, kind of like they did for season two, and then by October of 2022, Mando season three is coming out, uh, yeah. and and maybe they rotate Book of Boba and Mando from here on out. Who knows? Maybe books just one season. Uh, I personally would rather them just keep the Mandos coming out, 
because that's what's kind of teed everything up. But that's why I think the Book of Boba is predominantly going to be set in the present. I don't think John, Dave and the team are going to want to take too much steam away from that uh, Mando locomotive that they got running two years ago. Yeah, no, of course not. They're not going to let that sit for too long. But also, like we were mentioning, the Book of Boba Fett is going to be closely related to Mando. I mean, it's not going to you're not going to be following Din and the the main characters there, but you're set in the same time period. You're in the same region of the universe and and you're going to be interacting with a lot of characters that either, you know, have been in the Mandalorian or could show up in season three of the Mandalorian. Like these shows are going to. It's what Kathy talked about. The this show is going to weave in right. with Mando, it, and then to me, Nick, do you, know, you think it's fair to say that Book of Boba could almost be Mando two point five? Yeah, like Mando season. Like it, two we and are going to get some backstory on the man, but it, it, a lot of the events are probably going to take place in that Mando timeline, and they may ripple into the Mandalorian yeah, or mean, the other anything, series. Like because of how close these characters are and because that they're, you know, they're dealing in the same factions within the universe. Like, like you said, the ripple effects from Book of Boba are going to be felt in Mando. And then you would have to think they're they're, they're kind of boys at this point in time, too. Right. I mean, hell, I I, I mean, Boba became Din's fucking Uber driver, for Christ's sakes. I mean, he was taking him wherever he wanted to go. So. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I do think a lot of Book of Boba will, it, it, it has to flesh out the guy, but I think it's also going to start teeing stuff up for, uh, future Mando and potentially Rangers if they do decide to, uh, develop it again and, and some of the other mm-hmm. shows they talked about. So this yeah. to me was another like, Hey, it was awesome seeing you and, uh, almost get Pedro in trouble. Cause he's like, Hey man, you guys shoot. And he's like, nah, we're not even shooting yet. He's like, Oh shit. I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I like watching, uh, these type of guys talk to each other. I, I could see, could you see you and Pedro just maybe sitting out smoking a joint, drinking a beer and then maybe hopping on a hog and driving it you know I, a few hundred miles say, i feel like i feel like these two would get along famously and you know obviously there's not really an avenue for them for their characters to link up in the star wars universe no. but yeah i Obi-Wan's think that, dead as fuck so yeah <laughs> given their style and like how they are as people i feel like these two actors could do well in a project together of some of some sort oh yeah yeah so, 100% yeah. you know it's too bad yeah. maybe um maybe din will be force infused and he'll start seeing visions of uh, old, yeah. old man force ghost kenobi or something down the road yeah exactly uh, but yeah no it's, just, it's, it's funny the- seeing these two talk to each other it's like man wouldn't it be nice to be one of those guys? Yeah. But hey, look, look at us. We're, I'm sitting in a basement. Nick's in a, house, a new house falling apart. I mean, we, we yep. really can't ask for anything more. Cryptocurrency is going down the toilet. I've got way more money than I ever dreamed of mixed up in a meme stock right now trying to ride that oh, gamble. So, hey, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's man. way better I, than I, being involved in Star Wars. Luckily, I didn't invest too heavily in into the meme stock because i was just like well i'll put enough in it to where if if it does take off bitcoin style then i'll be a, a billionaire right. but i will uh hold off enough now to where the I'm intern break my the intern and i'll give him credit he's hit on every tip he's given me so far and i wish i listened to him at the time but it was, it was probably a month ago and he's like dude they're gonna start doing it again with amc i think amc was at like nine bucks 
I mean, well, realistically, AMC is going to start naturally going up because right. theaters are open. Oh, no, it, 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 you're, like, you're right, but it's still getting a squeeze right now. I mean, dude, it, it was nine yeah. a month ago. It hit 70 last week. So, I mean, it, it, yeah. and it still has no real value in the real world quite yet. But you are right. They, they are doing some smart things with the the meme fame they found. They are selling some shares and reinvesting and paying down their debt. And I do think they'll be one of the only chains left, at least here in the States, when this is all said and done. Uh, but this is the first time and, and just based on seeing what was happening. And if I would have took the intern's advice from the get go, I'd be sitting here having a real hard time trying not to sell every day. Cause it would, it would have been a ridiculous gain. But at this point in time, I, we have almost a thousand shares. Uh, so yeah. do the math. There's a good chunk of cash invested. Um, I'm not going to say we did it smart because it's still, we could lose the money and we lost the money, but it's not going to kill the Haywoods. I guess I'll put it at that. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm impressed that we even had the capital to do that. Like just liquid capital. <laughs> I've done something right in life. My wife and I, I guess, but it's also like, yeah, it's, it, it's a gamble. If we lose, we're not going to like lose a house or anything or have to sell cars, but that that's a nice little chunk of change that we may be flushing down the toilet. <laughs> so yeah. I just I'm I'm just letting like people will benefit off of it. I don't really need to. I'm di so. diamond hands right now, brother. Diamond hands, yeah. H-O-D-L all the way. Me and the intern. Like I said, everything he's given me has has hit. I believe in it. The force is with us. Um, I'm up <laughs> across the board. So I, I'm at this point, I'm just getting greedy and diamond handsing to see if it's actually going to do this gamma squeeze that they're predicting where some of these people that are in the know think think that AMC could rock it up to a thousand. I mean, it could. It, uh, very if that happens, so. might not be doing the show anymore. I might finally get that get say. that beach house I've been wanting. You should just yeah. <laughs> as soon as it hits there or even close to there, sell and get your money. And it's get the fuck out. I am not cut out for this, by the way. I am not cut out for this, dude. Because <laughs> when it was hitting seventy, I'm like, holy shit, I've almost tripled um let's let's do it and i'm like yeah but it could do this and that and then then i sit there all weekend like <gasps> like the nerves are kicking no, in like I oh i could have had an extra 30 grand and now it's going down and then it comes up on monday it goes higher i'm like see i'm smart as fuck i knew i should be holding it's just a it's a it's a constant head head game at this point in time but yeah that's why i don't do it i just <sighs> don't care enough yeah <laughs> like, i don't know man it's it's one of those deals where it's been proven with GameStop. So there is like some legit instances of this happening. And I was like, you know what? I'm the one that always sits there with hindsight and I go, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have got in. And this time I was like, fuck it. Fuck it. I'm doing it. I'm either going to be sitting here wanting to punch my own eyes out or I'm be going, damn, Heather, we fucking did it. We have balls of steel. We have diamond hands. And now look what we've just done for our lives. So everyone <laughs> keep those positive force vibes out there. Keep the squeeze going. If you own AMC, hold the line, right? We are apes, apes together strong. Okay. <laughs> That's where that comes from, by the way. I, I'm learning a lot of stuff like what FUD is, what apes mean. Um, but I love the apes thing because it's, you know, it's from Caesar. And if we all hold together, we are strong. All right. <laughs> so let's get into some story time with Matt. And I'm really not going to take a long time here because we've been going two and a half. Nick and I, we're just getting back to this. I don't know if our vocal cords are ready for a, a marathon Star Wars time show, the four hour variety. Um, 
But you heard me talking about it earlier. The War of the Bounty Hunters miniseries is is officially kicked off. I recapped the prelude for you. But at this point in time, the, the crossover issues, which are appearing in the Vader run, the Star Wars run, the Bounty Hunter run, and the Afro run, are also happening, as well as the first official issue of War of the Bounty Hunters. So before I get to that issue, I'm going to talk about Vader 12, Nick, because this is one of the first ones of the Vader run that's crossing into War of the Bounty Hunters. And again, just real quick, if you're not in the uh, in the know, this War of the Bounty Hunters is a miniseries that's pretty much running all summer, I believe, into the fall. Uh, itself is going to have five issues plus the prelude. But like I said, every issue coming out from now into the fall of Vader, of Star Wars, of Afra, of Bounty Hunters is also going to cross into the War of the Bounty Hunters thread. So what we got in Vader 12, at least canon-wise, it's worth noting. All right, so those of you who've been listening to Storytime throughout the uh, the months here, you watch these on YouTube. Thank you. And by the way, check them out, youtube.com, Star Wars Time Show. I, I do them for these comics. Would love the views, the comments, the likes, the subs, the notifications, all that jazz. Uh, but so it picks up, and you, you can kind of see in the thumbnail there where, you know, Vader, he's been beaten down. He learned his lesson. Palpatine showed him who's boss. Brought him to Exegol and was like, yo, motherfucker, you think you're tough? Look at me on Exegol. I'll fuck your face. And he did. All right. Not literally, but he messed him up. You can see Ochi Bastoon. He got his eyes ripped out, essentially, from Sith Force energy in this massive kyber crystal room. Uh, but, but it's funny, Nick. So they're like wheel invader into the same operating room we see him in Revenge of the Sith. Right. Okay. Um, and it, it, all of Palpatine's advisors are like, ah, oh, look at him, that little bitch, you know, basically making fun of him. And they're like, Palpatine, you're, you're going to rebuild him? Really? Like, aren't you worried what he's going to do to you? And you know, Palpatine's like, ha, fuck you guys. Like, I, I do this for fun. This is on purpose. <laughs> like, I do this to get him all worked up and get a little more power into him. But don't worry. He saw me on Exegol. He knows he has no chance. So go ahead and rebuild him. Uh, so we get a great moment and just shows you how fucking intense Vader is. So he's on the operating table. The droid comes out. It's got buzz saws and shit ready to cut him up and put new legs on. And the droid's like, I'm going to deactivate you, sir. Basically, like, I'm going to turn you off so you don't feel anything. He's like, no. I want to basically I want to feel myself getting mutilated with no, no anesthesia, nothing. So as they're like each panel is showing like parts getting co- chopped off and Vader's like, ah. Just like the guy loves to be in pain and to be yeah. angry. So I, I love that moment. Yules his dark side. But really the big canon thing in this was that as he's getting worked on, he's back to thinking about his son. And he's like, you know what? You're pretty good. You've got some power. You impressed me a bit there on Bespin. But you know what, motherfucker? The more I think about it, you've never done anything spectacular by yourself. <laughs> you didn't blow up the Death Star by yourself. I just realized you need your friends to be great. You are a weakling. So you kind of get a flashback. Apparently, right after the Battle of Yavin, the destruction of DS1, Vader decided, like, you know what? My son's a pussy. He's got these friends that make him a pussy. Who is that motherfucker that helped him in that trench? 
ah yes that <laughs> smuggler that that flies the millennium falcon so what Han what i Sol- learned is is vader took it upon himself a bit after a new hope to track down han and chewy they were on Corellia doing god knows what probably smuggling or doing something goofy because he wants to kill him just so luke loses those attachments loses those who can help him reach his true power potential uh, and the only reason Han and Chewie got away, because, I mean, clearly they, they fly away. Vader's blocking Falcon bolts with the force. He jumps in his his tie, chases him down. But because they're on Corellia, Nick, they land in a whatever the model is of the Falcon. They basically land at its factory. So you see nothing but Millennium Falcons. right. Wow. And Vader's just like, he goes up to the guys like, yeah, you see these motherfucking cocksuckers. The guy's like, oh, Lord Vader, I'd love to find them for you. And at that point, he's pissed. He's like, fuck it. They're lost. I don't want you to, to save me. And the guy's like, no, we, we can help you find them. So he cuts them in half just because, you know, you don't fucking question the Dark Lord of the Sith after he tells you what he wants. So that was, you know, that was kind of the interesting can there. Vader went down to try and kill Han and Chewbacca after A New Hope. But at the end, and where it crosses over into the War of the Bounty Hunters, which at this point in time, all we really know is that Boba Fett had to go to Nar Shaddaa because Han was melting in the carbonite. He found the guy that was going to fix him. By the time he came back, Han Solo was gone. All right? So at this point in time, Han Solo in carbonite is somewhere in the galaxy. But Vader still remembering that, hey, I've used this guy before. I used them to get Luke to Bespin to try fuck up Luke there. Uh, you know, we, we need to figure out what the fuck's going on with this. So he goes to a hut called, I think he's Boku or something. And by the way, Nick, this hut looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. A name sounds familiar. Like, I don't know if I if I heard it. It, it, God, is, it, it was just odd to see a hut with musculature. Like, I yeah. mean, he and not just like a fat. Yeah, I, I guess I did not ever. I didn't know that huts could choose to work out if they wanted to, because this this Boku dude was is jacked. I mean, he still looks like a fucking slug, but he's jacked. But anyways, and this is where it ends. Vader is going to this Boku guy to, to kind of figure out, all right, well, where the fuck Solo? We know we, we know Jabba wanted him. But what, what the hell's going on? Blah, blah, blah. We, we need information. And Invader brings his new buddy Ochi with him. Oh, yep. we also learn here how Ochi got those big, dumb, black, glassy eyes you see him with in Tross. Yeah. He, he had to get him surgically implanted because of, <laughs> of Palpatine's uh, force display would- on Exegol. I was going to say, like, how can he see? Yeah, now? no, I, I, so I miss that. They, they directly address it. So why Vader's getting chopped to pieces. They they get uh, Ochi some new dough, like literally like deer eyes. They're like this, these big, dumb, glassy black eyes. Uh, but mm-hmm. apparently Ochi and, and Vader, they, they, they were kind of chilling back in the uh, post empire days. So they go to this this slug and Ochi's like, hey, hey motherfucker. You better figure this shit out because you are now working for Vader just like myself. And that's where it ends. So Vader is getting in the mix of searching for Solo. And that leads me into the first real issue of the War of the Bounty Hunters, which released last week. And Nick, I'll tell you what. Could be one of the greatest Star Wars comics I've read. And it's it's easily 
the best case people could now make for Boba Fett during the original trilogy being the big bad <laughs> motherfucker that all of you guys used to yell at me about because these, holy these shit. Comics, these comics are making you come around. I remember you read one pre our our little break yeah the prelude is uh, the prelude issue where he paints himself black yeah. and he he really um, Dude, you were like fuck i'm coming around to well to bozo fett. Th- this one seals the deal i am uh, <laughs> i even feel bad calling him bozo fett at this point in time oh shit uh, okay because what he does in more the bounty hunters number one really does showcase to someone like me who only my only vision of boba fett during the, the original trilogy era was empire in, in Return of the Jedi. That's it. I didn't, I didn't yeah. get mixed up in all that other shit you guys kept telling me I was stupid for not reading. But hey, whatever. This is it, man. I mean, so so this issue drops some major fucking cannon bombs. Major bombs. I mean, the, the, yeah. the Boba Fett stuff is more eye candy and just badassness. But, but the true gem of this issue is its tie to Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. It is yes. it, at this point in time, if we don't get anything else solo, this is now a the sequel. I think that I don't know. Did you talk about this last week? But Bob Chappick. Yes, yes, I, 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 I did. His, yes, okay. we, we, we brought up his his major gaffe. Yeah. And yeah. we kind of riffed on that. And we're like, eh. That's that's a like a he subconscious have, brain fart. Pretty. He could have met the Lando series because right. they're like very right. closely connected. But maybe there's something there, man. I hope there is. So but, so, anyways, yeah. like I said, I I've I have enjoyed this so much that I went out. I read the Doctor Afra issue, which was still kind of like eh, but it does tie in. I read the Bounty mm-hmm. Hunter issue, which which I actually liked because it showed that that this Valence guy, whatever the fuck his name is, this cyborg dude, was actually kind of boys with with Solo. And um, to make a long story short, he was the Bounty Hunter thread. He he's essentially trying to go help find Han to save him. But he's with ba- he's he's with Dangar and Dangar kind of rats him out to Zuckus and Forlom. It's crazy. Like I'm telling you, dude, every big hitter from the bounty hunters during Empire Strikes Back are getting their little their little uh, time in the sun in this crossover. But <laughs> anyways, to summarize what happened in Bounty Hunter, essentially in Bounty Hunter, Forlom and Zuckus get Boba Fett's location, which we know is on Nar because that happened in the prelude. So when this issue opens, we, we get the tease of this mystery character, which I'll, I'll kind of give you at the end because she's massive. It's, it's a massive reveal. But we learned that Han was taken by the, this mysterious faction and it, it's, they've had this female leader. She's in a cloak. She's got a hood up. You don't see her and who she is until the very end. But it's clear that this faction, they're, they're doing it because they see it was a great it was really some great insight to the character of Han Solo, but the way this person explains it and why they went after Han Solo and Carbonite, they said, listen, at this point in time, Han Solo is essentially bringing the galaxy together because he is being sought after by every main faction in star Wars. The rebels are looking for him. The empire is looking for him through Vader. Afra and um, what's her name? Sana, one of Solo's original girlfriends are looking for him. The huts are looking for him. The bounty hunters (laughs) are looking for him. So just, just think about that. A a low life (laughs) smuggler like Han Solo 
at one point in time was sought after by every major player in the galaxy. Yeah. Literally the focus of the entire yes. galaxy. And that's what this that's what this series is about. And that's why it's brilliant, because it is you you're getting this wide swath of all these major Star Wars characters and factions all vying for Han Solo in Carbonite. But um the beauty of it is and I'll get to it at the end, but the, the, the ties to to Solo itself. I mean, hopefully Bob was not fucking around and we do get that but but like i said if we don't these comics will serve as a solo sequel 100 percent because as we learned the reason this faction took solo because they knew it would give them juice it would give them juice it would give them uh you know uh power it'd give them heat to kind of to make themselves known again in the galaxy and the key phrase there was known again in the galaxy so when we get to the end i'll tell you but this faction was a major player in the galaxy at some point in time, but as you learn through this issue, they kind of went away. There's a reason they went away, which we'll find out, but now they're trying to kind of inject themselves back into the fold to become a main player, and they they made the choice like, hey, if we get solo, we're going to have every motherfucker in this galaxy after him. We can wheel and deal and kind of get ourselves back to the top. All right, so that kind of sets everything up. So back to Boba himself. Thanks to the bounty hunter run, Forlom and Zuckus know where they're at. So guess what? They show up on Narshada and they start fucking with the Fett. And that is bad move there, boys. Because as soon as he shows up, they put like a little detonator on his ship, kind of blow him up. He's like, guys, what the fuck's going on? You know, he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, hey, Fett, just, you know, give us the information. We won't kill you. We respect you. All this great shit. And he's like, no, <laughs> listen, you guys fucked up when you you just uh, jacked my ship. That, that was my dad's ship. And he flies away and uses the tail guns to start blasting at Zuckus and Forlom. <laughs> Blows up like the, the, the bridge you're on. Within a few seconds, he he already has um, the power position over Zuckus. We could, we could call it the yeah. high ground. And, you know, he's, he's shit talking Zuck. It's like, who sent you here? Blah, blah, blah. He, he doesn't get the information. So in my mind, at least until, well, I guess we don't see a body, but he throws Zuckus off a, like a Coruscant platform, like just, Oh, sh- see you later, pal. Like, yeah, no, he's fucking dead. But you know, it is, it is star Wars. It is science fiction. Yeah. So technically we have to go to the rule. If you don't see the body, they're maybe not. they're not gone, but they don't show by. So That's- right there. He doesn't fuck around. He doesn't take prisoners. He could have used Zuckus for information. He just kills him or, or we, or so we think he then goes over to Forlom, who's already kind of fucked up, chops him to pieces, like just, just cuts his body in half. I think chops off his limbs and then rips his head off and brings his head into the slave one and, and hooks it up to get information. Right. Cause you know, Forlom's a bot. Yeah. He's a robot. Yeah. Forlom. He's yeah. like, Oh, Hey man, like we could work together, dude. You know, Forlom's like pleading with fat, like, <laughs> Hey man, I, I get it. Like you, you're going to get the information. You're going to figure out who gave us this bad. Because what has happened, Nick? Because Fett lost Solo, yeah, Jabba put an even bigger bounty on Fett's head than fucking Solo's head, <laughs> and it's a, it's an open bounty. So every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the universe is now gunning for Fett. It's like the it's like the uh, John Wick it's movie, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's John Wick three. That's where we're at. Yeah. You're you're hundred percent right. <laughs> That's a great comparison. So Fett knows, like, hey. If I'm going to get Solo back, I got to fucking take care of this bounty that fat ass put on my head. 
So that's why he needs Forlom to figure out, all right, who who commissioned this? He learns it's Jabba, so he goes there. He's on Tatooine. He's walking up to the palace, still holding Forlom's head by, like, its, its, its neck cord. And Forlom's like, hey, man, we could work together. Like, you know, I'm, I love how he's talking the whole time, too, yeah, with his, just it, a disembodied it's head. It's great. He's like, hey, we we could work together, pal. You know, I, I could help you out. We make a good team. I got a lot of information up here. And Fett just casually doesn't even look and throws him off a bridge. Like, just just chucks his head off the bridge after four hours. Like, dude, I can be a valuable asset to your little your little uh, one man bounty hunter team. And Fett's like, fuck you, and just just tosses his head. So. You know, Forlom could be rebuilt. He is, I yeah. guess, a robot. He's but a robot. by the end of this issue, Boba Fett took out one little dickhead who tried to kill him in a bar, seemingly yep. took out Zuckus and Forlom in one fell swoop. He he goes to um, Jabba's palace. Bib comes out like, hey, buddy, what's going on? And right there, he's like, boom, 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 shoots a bunch of Gamorrean guards. He's like, all right, motherfucker, take me to Jabba. We got to clear this up. It wasn't my fault. What the fuck's going on? Wow. All right, so he, he finally convinces Bib to to give him some information, and that information is this hooded character. And Bib's like, this is the faction that contacted Jabba and offered to give him Solo. Jabba's not here. And we see that Jabba is on a huge flotilla of, of huts. Like, all the huts yeah. have got in their big ships, and they're making their way to this new faction. And this is where, if you didn't see the spoiler part, which I did, so I kind of fucked the, the the surprise part. But this is where, if you if you know your shit, you could start to piece together who they may be going to meet. Because Jabba goes, he's like, I have an idea who this faction is. But the fact that their leader hasn't been found out in all these years is curious. Because this type of guy, this type of leader, and this type of world can't stay hidden. Yeah. All right. And he's like, this was a major faction, a major criminal faction back in the day. But then they just kind of disappeared. And he's like, but I think this is them. The only thing that is kind of screwing me is that their leader was was so prominent, was such a distinct character and player in the galaxy that it would be impossible for him to have hid all these years. So yeah. do you want to take a guess at what the faction may be? Is it the crimson there you go that's why i keep nick on the show all right he didn't even have to read it he knew from my poor explanation what i'm getting at he knew as i knew when i was reading it that jabba was talking about darth maul or maul right Mm -hmm. because how could a character like maul stay hidden for all these years we're talking like impossible right so that's why jabba's like i think this could be crimson dawn but the fact that you know, it doesn't have Maul's stamp on it, and, and Maul really hasn't been seen in all these years, which we know why, because Kenobi dusted him on Tatooine. Yeah. Um, fucking dead. But that's what he's thinking. So so then we uh, we get there, we, we get back to this faction, and sure as shit, the the hooded figure is is talking, and she, she drops a line, she's like... Uh, she's talking to her cohorts like, yeah, no, listen. And that, that's where you get this. Hey, Han brings the galaxy together. That's why I made this decision. And she's like, you know, Han always wanted to save me in the end. Wow. And she flips the hit off and there she is. Kira. Dude. That, I mean, that is such a huge. Uh, it was awesome, dude. That, that's where I was like, because I saw the spoiler on Reddit because I'm an asshole. I was going to read it anyways. But when I saw that, I was like, you know what? If this is the shit they're weaving, 
I'm going to go ahead and buy all the, the, the Afras, the bounty hunters. I am going to fully consume this War of the Bounty Hunters thread because it's so fucking good. And now they're giving us a solo sequel. Yeah. This is it. I, I mean, just think about that. So the entire time that, that Maul has been dead, which is essentially at that point like 16 years, call it like around 15 to 16 years i'm trying to think yeah because well maybe not that far because we're, we're talking this is still post esb yeah so it's post esb but he got wasted when well, he, luke he, was still like a kid Yeah, i'd say luke was well how old was ezra then no because luke and ezra are the same age we, we finally figured that out and so okay i i think well, eight to, i'd, I'd like, say eight to ten years maybe yeah i would say 10 years then he's been dead so that whole time, not only has Kira been alive, right. but Kira has been running Crimson Dawn but not underground. As, exactly. They, they, she wasn't out there in the open doing business yeah. as Crimson Dawn, but she clearly still has a powerful faction behind her. People follow her. She's got resources, right? I mean, she was able to steal yeah. fucking Solo from Boba Fett himself. Uh, but you're right. Insane. So, yeah, she's been playing kind of a, a slow game. Uh, clearly took over Crimson after Maul got, well, I mean, we have to figure that Maul probably left Crimson Dawn before he was killed. Well, we know he did because he was out yeah. looking for Sith holocrons and kind of acting like a weirdo yeah, he, he was to find Kenobi. So he, he gets squirrely probably a few years after the fall of the Empire and, and she probably just, just um, took it over after Solo. I mean, it probably wasn't long after we see the Solo movie that Maul went batshit gets himself finally put to rest by his buddy and then she takes over. So I'm loving it, man. And you know, you know, our stance on reading, it's not my favorite thing to do that. The comics luckily have more pictures than words, Yeah. but what they're weaving here, this narrative that I can already see is it's brilliant. And we're only one main issue in, like I said, uh, and it's going to keep weaving through. Let me check here. I have a roadmap of the like uh this week we're getting an issue of bounty hunter which should be checking in on the story i'm just seeing how far out this goes because i believe it reaches into the fall it's definitely going through august uh yeah at least through august it looks like the current timeline is set but i think it's going to go even further than that and, and i'm going to stay on top of it i'll probably still only review star wars vader and the proper war of the bounty hunters through video but on the podcast like we just did just here i will try to fill in gaps from uh, the bounty hunter run the afro run and, and those that i don't cover on a monthly basis but it, it's been great so far from the prelude to the crossovers to War the Bounty Hunters one, it's like fuck yeah. I mean, there, there's about to be a a galaxy sized shit show that's going to go down because Boba now wants to kill Kira. Uh, Kira's trying to get Crimson Dawn back into the fray. Uh, you never know what Kira may do now that she has Solo in her possession. I mean, we ultimately know what happens. I mean, we can't yeah we can't speculate too much, but there there's still some room they're going to fill in here, and and ultimately we'll see how Boba Fett went on one hell of a journey, leaving Bespin to delivering the Jabba's prize. Uh, yeah. So I'm digging it. I mean, I it is cool. I like how they've re-established the character of Kira because then it now it opens up like like you said potential to bring 
the solo, you yeah. know, franchise back, you know, or, whether or, it be... Again, if they, if they truly aren't going to do it, which I, I think is a shame, and I, I don't know, I, I, I think there's potential. You, you've got to make Solo 2. I th- people have gotten over their, their stupidness from that year. What was it, 2018? Yeah. Uh, but they, they could, if they choose to, they, they definitely could flesh out more of what they were probably going to do in Solo through this comic run now because clearly Kira is going to be a main thread. I mean, she fucking took them. She's getting the huts to come in. Uh, you know, Vader was probably going to find out she has her. The rebellion probably is going to find it out. So you don't know where it's going to go, but uh, there's a lot of potential to give us more Kira lore and I'm all for yeah. it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it too. So I'm glad that they brought her back in. It seems like this war, the bounty hunters thing has finally change Matt's it mind I, I will about, be hey about I'm not like I'm that. not a big asshole it's just like on on all the, the the stuff with the virus I mean I've I'm opening my life up a bit more I, I'm I, yeah. I'm not gonna pick and choose the science all right I always yeah, follow gotta, this I always followed the science with the virus I probably followed it more strict than more people but if they said it, it, you're better off just staying the fuck away from people not going out okay I'll do it and that's what I did but when they came out they're like listen these vaccines are way better than we fucking thought. If you have one, have at it. Still be a little smart, especially if you're like me and you have a little kid who can't be vaccinated, so I can't just go out there naked and start sucking up <laughs> virus particles. But, you know, I, I went to a movie theater last week on vacation. Yeah. I was out on a boardwalk, no mask. I, I ate at an outdoor restaurant. All shit I hadn't done for a year. So same thing with, with Boba Fett. I mean, if you present material to me, I'm not one of these people that's just going to dig my heels in because I said something previously. Yeah, I, no, I, and you have to work with the information that is presented. Thank you. Exactly. And and exactly. what we what I've seen in just the prelude in issue one of War of the Bounty Hunters, I am now fully on board with the rest of you saying that Boba Fett was one of the biggest, baddest ass motherfuckers in Star Wars. <laughs> it's clear at there this point. He kicks the fuck out of his own bounty hunters and everyone is scared of this guy i mean anywhere he goes people are like oh shit don't piss him off so i'm all for it the 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 bozo fett moniker may slowly be removed from my lexicon all right there we go we've won (laughs) we won everybody we fucking Uh, got him yep He's on the boba train. From reading, from go. reading of, of all avenues of media consumption, it's from reading, believe it or not. From re- yeah, from reading. Not not a TV show, not a movie, yeah, not mean, even a video. Don't get me game. wrong. I, I am a neo I am a neo <laughs> Boba Fett fanboy. Like because yeah. they showed me in Mando what he can do in live action. I am now getting educated to what this dude was up to when he had his fresh green armor during the original trilogy era so uh, there we go he is a badass i'll give it to you all now (laughs) all right man it's time to get into the fan segment um we've taken a little break on the the battle just due to all the vacations and travel i'm being out i will kick that back i mean we're towards the end of it anyway i think there's only two left so i will start that again this week so we'll uh we'll we'll kick things off with this week's question to the fans which you know if you follow along you know what it's about what was your favorite part of the bad batch episode six aka the one with the mystery figure all right so let's go through some of the response oh god i'll do this long one 
Lights, camera, tent, and I'll grab. Yeah, the I'll rest. let you do that. Okay, hold on. Let me get a deep breath here. Lights, camera, tentacles definitely had some thoughts here, which I I 100% appreciate. All right, enjoyed it. Hope to see more of the sisters and how their story has developed since last we saw them. Seems like they're affiliated with a certain force user and perhaps a germinating rebellion. I normally hate the kid characters, but I've warmed to Omega and am enjoying seeing her developing skills and find the place. Feels like the show's other namesake characters are sidelined a bit, though. But I'm guessing each with have episodes centered around them too eventually. Remember, we read as written. <laughs> Predicting we'll see Wrecker turn soon and prompt the rest to return to or contact that lady on Camino in hope of putting him and likely Crosshair back to their pre-order 66 free will personalities. As always, with these shows I'm watching, the backgrounds and side characters more, enjoying the immersion and seeing little droids like Clink or that massive gliding dragon lizard thing. I didn't really click with Rebels much until the second season, and by the third or fourth, it became possibly my favorite slice of Star Wars. So the trick is with these shows is to be patient while plots are weaved and things develop. They are just setting up the pieces at the moment. Well fucking said. Yes. Well All right, said, that, that's basically time. what I try to explain to everyone uh, when, when they get upset about short episodes or filler episodes. That, that's it right there. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to say about it. Lights, camera, You're tentacles welcome. knocked it out. All right. Up next. Yeah. Up next. We're going to Zabrak Captain. He says the last part when Wrecker is having a bad moment with his headache and they need to use the droids to defend themselves. And of course, when a mysterious character appears in the last mm-hmm. minutes. So, yeah, everybody's really into that tease. I mean, I think Lights, Camera, Tentacles has kind of said he thinks it's going to be a Force user. So uh, Ahsoka here and then, you know, this Zabrak captain here also into the mysterious character. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that was a that's probably the biggest little cliffhanger <laughs> tease they've, they've given us yet in Bad Batch where we had to yeah. go like, oh, wait, hold on. And I knew they're going to do it. I was like this is going to be the end of the episode. Maybe we'll get their contact. And then when they turn the camera, it's like, ah, fuck dude. At a certain point, I think we may need, I mean, if it is Ahsoka and even if it's not Ahsoka in this moment, I think Ahsoka is going to play into bad batch. We need to accept the fact that like Ahsoka is the main character of star Wars, not Luke, not Anakin Ahsoka, because she's been there from fucking. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Clone Wars, <laughs> Till the main now Mando, yeah, like the main like, the main good character, the, the one character that kind of stayed even Steven throughout the whole yeah. whole journey. Like she's been through the you're, whole. You're not thing. wrong, man. You're not wrong. And it's not even out of the realm of possibility that if we have expanded sequel content, that she could be there because to this point she's still alive. Right. Like there's no reason for us to believe that she's dead during the sequel timeline. So correct. Cause but, I mean, who knows? I, I, you would imagine a lot of these alien races in star Wars have longer life lifetimes than we do. So, I mean, a Togruta could very easily get up into the hundreds and, you know, still look young and, and beautiful with those neck tails <laughs> and sexy orange skin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, if you're, if right, you're a new step. listener, I kind of have a thing for uh, Star Wars alien women, especially Twi'leks and Togrutas. It's don't ask. Exactly. All right. Next up, we have the forces with Jesse. And this was a moment we talked about. Is there an echo in Fuck here? Yeah. It's brilliant. And then pictures, pictures by R2D2 responds. And he says, that's one of the highlights of the series so far. 
And that's not a criticism. I'm really enjoying the show, but that was a laugh out loud moment. It, I, mean, I do remember. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. It, it kind of seemed out of place, but I think that's why it works so well. It, it yeah. really was a brilliantly funny, just little exchange that I forget the writer, but you know, kudos to them. It was fantastic. Yeah. Really <laughs> yeah. Is there an echo in here? Yes, I'm here. It's like <laughs> <laughs> perfect. All right. perfectly done. Uh, all right. Lima Four Photos says just the fact that it had the sisters in it, it may not have been intended, but it's like a big F you <laughs> to toxic fans who like hating on each and every little thing, even if they don't realize that the very things that they're hating on is part of the reason they enjoy the rest of the whole universe anyway. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's that's what Matt and I have been trying to get like get across is that. Episodes like that with the Martez sisters at the end, uh, at the beginning of Clone Wars season seven and now with the Martez sisters here, that's what builds the universe, yeah. you know, like that kind of little stuff. So well said. And, no, and, and he's look. right. And it is funny how some of the fans are, but I can promise you some of the, the biggest Ahsoka fans right now were probably also some of the fans that were bitching and moaning when she was introduced in the Clone yeah. Wars movie. Yeah, they fucking hate it. You just gotta let things play out. Yeah. They're they're also probably the ones that can tell you the names of all of the characters in the cantina and all that stuff. It's like, okay, so that little, like those little details are okay, but introducing new characters and having them show up in properties is not okay. It's just so dumb. Yeah, so I, I, Lima Lima took a little more of our approach to uh, explaining that, which lights, camera, tentacles did a much more um, uh, highfalutin type of, of take yeah. on it, like a much more educated, much more uh, not educated, but it's just a, uh, it was not as uh, to the point and in your face. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mando mugshots. The last one up here. He says the credits. There you go. I, I knew we I knew we had a filler episode person out there. He says, joking aside, <laughs> I did enjoy Sid's badass demonstration of how to use a laser bow or whatever it is. Uh, it shows she has not forgotten her Transocean <laughs> roots. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like Sid as a character. She's she great, man. It's, it's, play- it's Ray Perlman. I mean, it, it's yeah. like, come on. Yeah. I, she's kind of playing the same type of character that I can't, like you're, you'll remember the name in, in Resistance. Who was the, the, the cantina keeper? Ah, fuck. It's it's hard. You, you got me on that one. I know. You got me on that but, but one. We talked a lot about her during the Resistance series too. Nope, and, you, and you're you're spot on. You're 100 percent right. Yeah. And Sid is playing a very similar yeah, character. She's, she's a hard ass, you know. I mean, yeah. And, and she the definitely can take care of herself. I mean, when she grabs that bow, yeah. she's like, ching 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 ching, bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. Yeah. So yeah, that was good. Yeah, she's all right. She's great. I do love Sid. So that's the end of the question of the week. So that's going to take us into the top five. Star Wars fan artist features of the week. Yeah, Nick's Nick's finally back to picking them. I, I the past two weeks I, I've, the I've done the top, I've, I've done a top ten essentially. So yeah, I know, right? So now it's all my stuff. So all of you people who were sliding by <laughs> on Matt's picks, now it's all me again. It's, it, it, I, I, you you <laughs> have to do this. It, it's too it, it's cheating when I do it because again, I, I, I usually do this spiel just in case we have new listeners and they want to get in on the fan segment. So. 
a lot of our direct fan interaction either takes place through our discord which you can find via our instagram account just hit our bio link you can get it right there or instagram itself uh, so the fan question a week every tuesday in the morning typically i will post it you can reply via the stories or the post and uh, these days it's not too hard to pick them because no one uh, likes to play along but there used to be a point in time where we had to whittle them down to the best five or ten comments so that's one way to kind of get read or included on the show the other way here is in the top five and this is kind of our, our our bread and butter this is what infused us with the toy artistry community on instagram but every day we feature up to 12 shots from the star wars fan art community and all we ask is that you tag our account at star wars time show and use our hashtag star wars time show that way every morning when i wake up and i'm laying there with my little kid to kind of get her ass out of bed i look through all the new fresh tags i give you a like and if they really stand out it's going to get featured on that day or put into our features folder to be shared another day then at the end of the week after what six seven days of matt sharing 12 shots a day nick has the task of picking his five favorite from that lot and then we re reboot it and do it the next week so that's how to get involved follow us on instagram use at star wars time show in any of your star wars artwork it doesn't have to be toy photography it could be anything like vincent today we're talking about his real ass paint skills and it was funny as a real ass painter he still really couldn't describe what style he paints in uh, at yeah. least when he moved to digital because he started airbrushing on, on canvas. He's like, yeah, I guess it's still sort of airbrushing. Um, <laughs> so real ass paint is kind of a good uh, just broad descriptor for yeah, no, for it, real it, artists. It, it covers everything. <laughs> and, you know, I had to, it, I had to like even when I had him on before we went live, I was like, listen, we're, we're kind of stupid when it comes to art. So if you hear me say real ass paint at all, that's just one of our buzzwords so yeah just, just go with it's it buddy it's <laughs> one of our terms yeah we're, we're it idiots. covers all spectrums of yeah but anyway so like we'll do real art tattoos cosplay hell even some of these days we get some very lovely looking uh, women are sending uh, shots of themselves either wearing mandalorian helmets or whatnot cosplay yeah, i mean have at it but th that's that's what the top five comes from so if you do want to get involved it's it's done through instagram but but let's go nick who'd you pick who are the five winners this week it's a very prestigious five no so the first one up this week is at figure battles and i love this, this is a little crossover mashup i think and correct me if i'm wrong matt but that looks like is that like a bullseye head sculpt yeah that, from that's 100 percent bullseye from the marvel legends line of figures there we go so what we have here is bullseye dressed in a full stormtrooper outfit and he is being held down on his knees by none other than din jaren and his full beskar get up yeah. and he's got the pistol right to bullseye's neck and, it's the, I it's mean, the, it's the face, man. Exactly. It is. It, it's yeah. the heads. And I think um, Spa Spa Spencer has has done this. He, I think he's used wrestling characters' heads on uh, like rebel soldier bodies. But the same yeah. thing, like you get these just if, if you're not watching on the live, make sure to pull up the post on StarWarsTime.net. But they have these expressions of just like either sheer pain or anger. And, and Bullseye is he's like as Din has him in a headlock and he's about to pop his head off. He's like, ah, like, like oh, shit, I'm going to fucking die. This is it. Ah! It's just it's just such an emotive expression. And, and that's really what kind of sold the shot to me and clearly to yeah. Nick. Yeah. 
It was. It's a fantastic <laughs> job. Really I mean, is. posing's like, really well done. <laughs> obviously, that that bullseye head sculpt really <laughs> pops it to another dimension. Um, but even like the background and everything that he's got set up here really sells the setup. Yeah, so, you could almost. Uh, you could, if we didn't know it was bullseye, you could almost say like maybe this was. Uh, like the last remnant of the clones wearing the star- stormtrooper armor. You know how clones would personalize yeah. himself. This one just decided to burn a bullseye into his forehead. Yeah, put it right into his fucking what, head. Not much different so, than what Jesse did with that. that I would that, say Jesse that had fucking Republic Republic logo was right on his face. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, who who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe we'll see one like that eventually. But at figure battles, did a fantastic yep. job with this crossover mashup. So good job. Uh, at figure battles on Instagram. Next up is uh, a good friend of the show. Maybe, I don't know. Black series. Do you still listen to us? Are you still out there? I know. I know he, he tunes in when we do the top five and, and he always, he always responds. Not that we're asking, listen, we're not idiots. We understand that by (laughs) featuring art, like we get from at black series and, and really anyone we feature, we all think it's fantastic stuff. We do realize that that has helped add to our, our cred right that has helped build our instagram account i'm not a fucking idiot uh yeah. but i'm also not going to be a a, a pay i don't want to call myself a feature page either but i'm not going to be someone like you you have to acknowledge us if we share your shit i i could care <laughs> less i get i get more butt hurt when people forget to tag us or stop tagging us overall but in terms of like you need to pay your respect to us if we pick you it's like hey whatever i mean hopefully you stick with us and you like our content just based on on our own merit right you like listening to our dumbasses talk about this type of stuff uh, but yeah he actually i mean zay hit me back today he's like oh thanks brothers you know i appreciate it and typically every time we release an episode he at least goes through and watches the, the top five i don't know if he consumes the whole shit show that the SWTS is, but he, he definitely uh, will listen to himself be praised by there, myself and I yourself. As will most people. <laughs> <laughs> but this shot that that Zay has here is just—I mean, it's, it, it's why he's it's, one of the best. I mean, yeah, it, it's top top notch, top level. I mean, it looks like this could have come right from a poster for for the Bad Batch. So what we see is Crosshair and uh, and Hunter. Just kind of standing there in the snow. So Crosshair standing got it's, his. It's kind of like from the, from the first episode, right? When they're in the snowy yeah. forest. Mm-hmm. And and <sighs> then you got Hunter kind of kneeling down, getting like pulling his knife out of its sheath on his forearm, and and they seem like they have a target in their sights. They're both kind of looking off into the distance, getting ready for battle. And the 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 setup here is just fantastic. I mean. It looks like a real snow-covered environment, like you saw in episode. Well, I'm glad, one of the I'm glad you bring, you brought that up because to me, that's one of my favorite aspects of what at BLK SRS does. Black series, you know, a, a lot of people that that get to his following and, and level, they'll start getting into building intricate, like ridiculously detailed dioramas. In fact, go go check out at Jason B. Michael's most recent Mezco shot. Uh, I, I think he actually works with them now, so awesome for him. But he built like an alley, an alleyway wall with graffiti and shit on it. It is absolutely impressive looking. It, it's almost more impressive than the shot itself. But people like him, plastic action, work more or less, nose rain, they, they, they kind of get into building these insanely detailed 
dioramas to create their shots. For the most yeah. part, what Zay does, he rolls out into like his fucking garage or backyard, throws up a a black sheet, <laughs> and and you know he'll he'll throw in some practical items like rocks and twigs. And, and still produces these just, as Nick said, poster quality, you know, almost live action, real life quality looking shots. And, 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 and he's not really relying on. And I'm not saying the people that use those dios are, are hacks. Fuck. I'm jealous of not only their, their ability to take very dynamic looking shots of toys, but the fact that they can build out that that the scenery behind them, that is just as impressive as the photography itself. Yeah. But someone like me that doesn't want to quite deal with that side of the hobby and does or started just going outside and slapping things down and using natural environment i am always impressed by what he is able to create with you know limited material yeah no it's it's absolutely fantastic and i it is it's it's hard to believe that that is just like like you said, him and his And he garage. does videos for everything. So like he, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he shows you, he'll show you how the snow was laid down, how the, the snow effect was used. It's all practical. He literally like swept the fucking patch in his backyard, put up a black backdrop for the background, threw in some rocks and then used uh, whatever substance. I, don't, I forget the substance he went with. And, and here we are. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's <laughs> at BLK SRS. I mean, there's a reason why he's, one of the one of the top dogs in the the toy photography community indeed all right so at blksrs like matt was saying fantastic job with the bad batch shot i forget who i was Next. looking at recently i think it was plastic action i think he's hit like i think he's, he's approaching like a quarter of a million followers now wow i mean he gets shared a lot on sports center Major, oh like yeah like i mean his shit and he's getting like commission from celebrities to do shit with their figures i mean yeah. jack's I mean, we all look at bananas as the godfather, but but in terms of when I got into the hobby and just seeing where Jax was at then and then now, it's like that guy to me has really fucking taken the bull by the horns and has has really, really done some fantastic stuff and, and probably changed his life a little bit uh, with yeah, this hobby. Yeah, dude, I mean that like he may be able to do that for a living I would think now. So. Like that may I would, be his I would think so. full-time job. I would think so. So, right, who, I mean, who yeah. do we got next? Claps up to BLKSRS. Next up, we have one of our favorite, like, I guess you would call them digital photo manipulators, like kind of Photoshop artists. And this is at phase underscore runner. And this is a this is a, a juxtaposition shot or yeah, it's a follow up piece to what he did a couple weeks ago. So a couple weeks ago, I'll, we just, saw, I'll go to his account so they can see it on the, on the yeah. live stream. So we saw uh, an image from him where he has Luke's hand yep. and saber falling down. I'll never the, join you. Exactly. The Bespin Trench. Right. And then now we have Vader's hand and saber falling down the Death Star 2 little pit. And it's it's uh, the, the quotation under it is, you were right. One of my favorite lines. Just, it's when he's sitting there dying. He's like, tell you your right. sister, Luke, you were right. <laughs> I know it's just such a powerful image yeah. and quote right he, next he, to each other. He finally admits to his son. Uh, I, I see. He's getting the emotional. It's hitting fucking him. end of Return of the Jedi and Vader <laughs> and, 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 and his son gets me every time. But he finally admits he's like, you know what? You were always right. You knew me better than I knew myself. And it wasn't for you. I probably would have killed you. 
yeah. I would have watched you die and, and allowed the emperor to continue to carry out his reign of terror. That's right, man. So, the, I mean, this image here, like I said, all of Phase Runner's work is is usually done in Photoshop. He's a he's a expert digital photo manipulator, and um, I mean, it's <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, uh, his stuff is really just fantastic. It looks like it's it's movie quality, it's poster it's, quality. It's just not like even like about. yeah, we his quality is top notch. I, I think even more so than his abilities, it's the ideas he comes up with. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this concept just to show the severed hand falling, like, you know, you know, Vader had the same thing. It was, it was a mere moment. I mean, his son in a, a fit of anger did the same thing that he did to him uh, uh, one movie prior. And yeah, it, 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 it just, it's a brilliant idea. It, it's, that's the type of stuff that will forever elude me. And that's okay. Yeah. Just, just sitting there going, hey, you know what? I think this would make a great kind of art poster thing. I'm going to show Luke's hand falling down the pit and put his quote. And, sh- yeah. and sure as shit, I mean, we eat it up. I- I'm glad that uh, that Phase Runner has a shop. So if you go to his IG, you can click on the link tree and you can buy his official prints, which are um, prints that he's selling of official properties. So you got a couple of star Wars ones on there, a few star Wars ones. You got one Indiana Jones one, but he also has, which I think is really cool. His original work that is not tied to any particular property. And this one, I mean, like I, I may buy, you know, I'm on a mission to support all the creators out there that we, uh, show some love to this hollow you rain that? picture. So that when has. I ask for your support, let's go. Nick, Nick is now he's falling through on our end. So let's go. All we, yeah. all we ask are for some likes, ratings, and reviews. This guy's shelling out some cash. Maybe, maybe go drop a, a couple dollars to Manscaped using our code <laughs> as well. But, um, I mean, this thing, I, I may buy Like, I'm right on the fence. I may just add this to cart and, and purchase right now. All right. Because this, this image that, that he has up here, this hollow rain one on his original art pieces is just beautiful. See? If you, if you get mixed uh, up in the, with the Star Wars time show for the top five, you could actually end up making money. Yeah, I still have my my savvy piece back What else do you want from us? We're we're now paying all of you to watch us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love it. And then same for Black Series too. Black Series, you can go get NFTs. If you are into NFTs, Uh, you can get prints on his website as well hit up his it's uh, funny his I, I asked vincent about nfts and he if he was doing it, he's like yeah I, i've tried but he's like i can't use any of my star wars stuff it's all owned no, it's can't. all owned by lucasfilm so he's like yeah so you can't yeah do he's like i just i just come up come. with like spaceships and shit in my head so yeah uh, and then you could be like created by the concept artist behind solo rogue one and and Rebels. Right. there you go right so, um but yeah phase runner <laughs> fantastic job uh, at phase underscore runner on IG, hit him up. Yep. Next up for the top All five, right. I know this man is in oh, the chat. Oh, he's in the right chat. He's in the chat. We appreciate he's that. He's been in the chat the whole time too. Uh, this is at Drew Originals, and he's got a fucking cool ass shot. So what we're looking at here is Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker oh, yeah. jumping in, saber drawn back ready to just fucking chop not only this this uh stormtrooper in half but the entire vehicle that he is driving he's just gonna cut it completely yeah, th- this through. is luke being it's it's like he's on some 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 rocket fuel right it's yeah. like he's, he's had a hit of coaxium 
Because, yeah. you know, Luke, we've even seen Luke in, in the Mando now. We know what he can do. And he was still quite, it was almost like a dance he was doing with those dark troopers, right? I mean, he, he really yeah. wasn't coming in and doing the heavy swings like his dad would. He was, you know, it was like a ballet almost. And this shot, Drew Original's like, nah, fuck this. This is, this is, uh, this is Rambo Luke. You know, th- th- this yeah. is Luke. Like I said, he, he's, he's hopped up on some coaxium or something because he is way up in the air, both arms over his head, lightsaber drawn. As Nick said, when that thing comes down, it's probably chopping this patrol trooper in half and the rest of his bike. Indeed. And it looks like, you know, what are they on? Corellia, maybe? I mean, that, that it looks like it's Corellia. I, I, I'm going to venture out unless you're in like the bowels of like of Coruscant, like you're in one of the, the lower regions where things a little bit more grimy. Um, but no, yeah, yeah, that is definitely yeah, Corellia. This, this looks like, uh, I, you know, knowing Drew Original's work, I think there's a mix of some practical in here, maybe some aerosol going on. Uh, and, and a possible digirama set up here for the background. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a great action shot. I mean, it's, it's, it's good posing there. And, and, you know, like I said, it, it might be a little out of character for Luke, at least what we've seen on screen. But I think that's that kind of what draws your eye to it. You got him up there. Nice little lens flare on the green. And, you know, he's he's coming down with some force. No pun intended. Yeah, exactly. So uh, fantastic job there by Drew Originals. Give him a follow on the IG. Yeah, he, Let me check. Does Drew have his own shot? He, he confirmed it was supposed to be a Corellia shot. So there we go. See, we we just know. We yeah, just know. We're good like that. I'm loading up Drew's page now. No shot, but hey, if you give him some support on the IG, hey, you like his stuff. Listen, I mean, the way Nick is now, just 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 send him a, a Venmo pay me link and maybe I'll just fucking pay <laughs> some money. Hey, look, I will say I uh, during this conversation, <laughs> I have successfully placed my see? order for that phase runner. Look at friend. This shit. Watch the Star Look, Wars man. time show. Make some money. You never know. My, you never know. My girlfriend keeps Taylor keeps annoying me because in our bedroom, she had like, you know, her side of the bed has a wall. My side of the bed has a wall. Her side of the bed's wall has a ton of shit on. She's got shelves. She's got. Pieces, yeah. She's yours got is what? Just, just lazy man blank. Like nothing. Bare ass wall. <laughs> nothing. Nothing there. I got to fill it in. Yeah. I got to right. fill it in. Well. I think it's a great so, thing you're doing, Nick. You know, just it'd be nice if the fans could, you know, at least give us a reviewer rating. No, no money, no money required. <laughs> it's all we need. But no, I mean, the, these are fantastic artists <laughs> and I want to I want them to be appreciated for their art. So um, listen to the Drew Star Original. Wars time show. We'll pay you. <laughs> there we go. He said he'll send a print. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Originals on IG. Uh, give him a follow. Yeah. Fantastic. No, I've, I've, I've followed Drew for a few years now. I remember when he first popped up. So while, yeah. while Haywood pop is dying a slow death, I mean, it's been a mix of things that have prevented me from doing a shoot in almost six weeks now, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little anxious to do so. I, Nick, you weren't here last week, but when I got back from vacation, I had over a thousand dollars of hot toys pre-orders waiting for me. My, Oof. My one-to-one Grogu finally showed up, and he's a gem. I love him. He's sitting over there on my desk right now. I think he's perfect. Nice. Uh, the one six Heavy Mando, the one six IG Eleven. Oh my god, dude! I showed him. Yeah, I showed I mean, him last week. I'm not going to break him out. Uh, so I guess the, uh... so. I got all these figures sitting here, and it's been like I said, six weeks. Because I, I I remember it was it was the week before I got my second shot. Because the week of my second shot, I couldn't move. 
The week after that, I had some work thing to do. The week after that, I kind of pissed off my dad and he hasn't been back in a month. So we haven't had anyone to watch my kid. So oh, I've uh, lost out on any of that type of time to, to do that. Um, but getting back from vacation, always looking at everyone's work every day. I've got, I found that General Skywalker. I've got Hawk. I've got the, some of the Bad Batch. I'm like, all right, dude, it's time. It's time to break it out. Um, but hey, this isn't about me. I, I've, I've gotten a lot better. I think people need to, uh, if there are people that used to get offended or just got bored with me bitching and moaning about my own personal IG life, that's almost been killed. Wouldn't you say like, yeah, I, I, I really don't do that anymore. I've, I've, I've come to a good place with the toy photography hobby personally to where I don't quite feel that I need to do it every week. I don't think I've shared more than a shot a week at this point in time. I've taken two or three weeks off of Instagram. I've watched my follower account just drop and drop. I've seen uh, my reaction to new shots drop because Instagram's like, fuck you. You don't play every day anymore. So we're not going <laughs> to, we're going to hide you even worse. And it's like, all right, I, I really just want to get out there and do it. Like I, I want to do the hobby again because I got these figures and I think they'd make some good shots. But anyways, back to the top five. That was at Drew Originals. Now we're moving on to Nick's next pick. Yeah, the, the final, final pick. The final the pick. The fifth one. This is a brand new top fiver. This is at Zicky, Z-I-K-Y, 200, Zicky 200. Right. And we have Woo! an awesome action shot of Miss Bo-Katan Kreese, the rightful leader of Mandalore, running through battle, two pistols drawn in her night owls get up. And I mean, it's a really cool action shot. You got dirt kicking up from the bottom. It just really captures this is Zeke style. hundred percent. Like he eats really, or yeah, they, I guess us Marine Semper Fi. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm on his page now, if you're on the live stream and it really has kind of perfected that that gritty action shot you know like uh practical mm-hmm. particle particle effects good dynamic action poses for the figures look at this one this one i believe is in the feature folder i think it is uh, it's his most recent one of bo katan like sliding yeah, down a wall sliding down. that he dedicated yeah. to at cg rock who who we've talked about on the top five but yeah, Zeke's Zeke's really good at. I'd almost call them like action portraits, right? Like close up action, yeah. yeah. Whereas like, like everything Kylo is like a little bit pulled out. Yeah, you get more yeah, of yeah, like yeah. an action scene. Right. Zeke is like in your face. This is the action on this one particular. Yeah, yeah. That, that's focus. that's definitely a better way to describe it. I'm stupid. <laughs> it's not a. Por- I mean, a portrait is a portrait. It's fucking static. Like the, these yeah. do not feel static at all. E- each one of Zeke's shots, Zeke 200, you, you can feel, you can feel the characters running their motion, all that jazz. Indeed. Yeah. So beautiful shot at Zeke 200, Z-I-K-Y 200 on the IG. And that's the end of the top five, everybody. We did it. Me and Matt did a show together for the first time in a while. So it's nice to have a, a, a co-pilot back. Yeah, in the it seat. is. It is. I mean, the solo shows aren't bad. Uh, I mean, I know I, I had diarrhea at the mouth, so I mean, I can sit there and blab <laughs> and listen to myself a lot. I mean, that's a me problem. But I have had a, a real fun show today with with Nick being back and then obviously opening with that interview, which I just I really didn't have to do much. I mean, I, hopefully I asked the right questions and, and you all heard some of the stories you wanted to hear, but I, I think Vincent was just fantastic. Like his story 
is something that I would pay to experience. I mean, just the way his life kind of fell into order with what he wanted to do from an early age is just just brilliant. And it just goes to show you, if you have a passion and you you, you kind of work towards it your whole life, you can make great things happen. Yes, there was a lot of kismet, I think, for him and people are in the right place, right time. But that typically happens to those who work hard and want something. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was a good show. If you didn't hear the interview early on, the uh, recording, I, it's weird on YouTube. Like like sometimes the show is available to some of you right when we're done. Other times, I know our buddy Greg who has said like he's looked and he can't find the recording. And that, that's usually yeah. because YouTube, once we hit end stream, they need to process shit and, and make an HD version and all that crap. Uh, but th- it should be ready for sure by tomorrow when we release the audio only version of the podcast. So if you are new here, hey, welcome to the Star Wars Time Show. It is time to put episode 165 to bed. But before we leave, if you are new or if you're old, we just want to remind you about StarWarsTime.net and why you need to keep that domain in the back of your brain. That is our home. That is where our content goes that we talk about on the show. It's also where you can find all of the links you need to to get us on the podcast platform of your choice, subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that fun stuff. So StarWarsTime.net. If you're not already subbed to a podcast platform, even if you don't listen to one, just go ahead and do it. Think about Nick buying art from the artist. Just go to Apple Podcasts, click the stars, drop a little review. I can't tell you how much that does for us in the show. Because we have to appease to the AI overlords at this point in time. What are people liking on the internet? More reviews equals more likes equals better search results equals more new fans. And you all know I've got a black hole in my soul that needs to be filled by other Star Wars fans thinking I am someone worth listening to. That's the best way I can describe it. It is a mental problem. It's something I will eventually need to get over based on the way we gain followers, which is not a a great pace in my mind. (laughs) I mean, we like we'll gain 100, we'll lose 500. We'll gain 50, we'll lose another thousand. Uh, That's kind of how we roll. But seriously, just ratings, reviews, likes, comments on the platforms and reshares. If you love this, let your followers know you love it. I know how I am sometimes when I'm on socials. If someone I like you know, has something in their stories or they post about it. I'll go check it out. I trust them. I'm following them for a reason. So they can't be that stupid, right? Same thing with star Wars time show. Start sharing some of our news posts when we do it, right? Instead of you using, you know, start using our stuff. Let them know that you believe in the star Wars time show. You think these two idiots are worth listening to at least one time a week and maybe for a few decent posts on their social media. But again, starwarstime.net, that's where you can get all the information, all the links you need. The YouTube's on there, all the podcast platforms, like I said. And don't forget. I think this is maybe the last day or last week. If you use SWTS at manscaped.com, you'll save 20% off and get free shipping on anything you buy from manscaped at manscaped.com. All right, my friends, it's time to do the thing. We know there's always time for Star Wars time, but there's also time for us to not Star Wars time. And that time is now. But I'll leave you with this. And those of you disciples that have been along or been around for the long haul, 
you know this, but we must say it every time. If you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.